for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. It can be that one thing, that one realization or that one skill that becomes a piece to the puzzle. And it can change your elk hunting life forever. And it's not that it's really a secret technique or a skill, but more of an aha moment or an understanding, if you will. Something or someone finally put it to you in a way that the dagnum light bulb comes on. On today's show, we have a special surprise guest joining the crew. We talk about his elk season this year and his journey as an elk hunter. And we all share our aha moments that changed everything for us as an elk hunter. That discussion, some elk bro shout outs, and we have today's guest help us out with a question from our awesome elk bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by elkbros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for our blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, we got one of the leaders of the Venezuelan oh. Mafia with us oh. from Katy, Texas, Luis oh. Gonzalez. And from oh Cimarron, God. we've got our elk hunting coaches in the house. We got the ninja, Leroy Chavez with us and geared up and ready to go tonight. What do you say, Joe? <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, you remember how we were going to fletch your arrows tomorrow, bro? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, bro, give me a favor, right, man. Hey, Gil, pull your, I, I want everybody to hear you loud and proud, man, because you are in one of the best moves tonight. So pull that mic close. Let's get ready to take off because this is going to be a show. We have a special guest coming in tonight, The suspense is man. killing me, Joe. <laughs> yeah, he won't well, even freaking just, you know, man, not even a he hint. He sends us this out like in the last few seconds and won't tell us who it is, man. Oh. Well, well I'll, I'll tell you this. He, um... He just got done hunting, probably. Oh, uh, what's uh, up, guy? Oh, guy. Hey, guy. 
<laughs> Welcome, guy. Look at the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, Cali gangster himself. We got Mr. Mythical. Guy Duplantier in the What's house. Up, boys? Mythical voice. <laughs> How we doing? Guy Duplantier. Oh, wait, wait a second, man. I, I mean, this this is like smooth chocolate milk, man. When guy comes <laughs> in and we get the voice coming in, right? This 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 is. For for you listeners, you're in for a treat. Tell everybody hello there, Mr. Duplanchet. How we doing, everybody? That's true mafia the right there. You got to send out mafia. some Elk Bros Kleenex with that one. We've been grinding with you all year, brother. Been supporting you all year. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Just, uh, I, you know, I came back and took a kind of extended, you know, hiatus. Um, it was actually kind of nice, man. I, I kind of got mountain sickness uh, in terms of, you know, the detachment. And it was yeah. like, I'm going to just extend this a little bit longer. <laughs> That's so cool, dude. So I'm nice. able to do that. Oh, How man. many days did you get to spend a field, brother? Uh, I ended up. I ended up 24 days on the mountain. God, I, uh, so jealous, man. Yeah, wow. well, I guess we'll talk about that. But I actually came home, a, you know, a few days early. I was going to – I was staying the whole season. And, you know, I was telling Joe, um, you well, know, We talked on I was, the phone, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was at camp one night, and it was kind of a late night by the time I got back and, you know, looked up. And it was just a beautiful night, man. I was sitting there eating. I'm like, all right, I'm going to pound this again tomorrow. <laughs> And, uh, you know, looked up and gave my, my nightly thank you to the man above for sure. And, uh, man, I went to bed just at a piece and then woke up the next morning and I started getting ready to go out in the field. And I looked around, I go, you know what? I'm good. That was a heck of a season. I'm out. And I packed up and just rolled home and it was the weirdest thing. (laughs) Two days later, I told my wife. Let's go back to Colorado for the rest of the season. <laughs> so for for our listeners who aren't able to see this, and if you don't recognize the voice, I don't know where you've been. Because if you, you know, if you're following elk hunting, if you're following elk hunting podcasts, if you're hunting out, you know, covering outdoors and wanting to listen to those podcasts, or if you're looking for inspiration and somebody that can fill your soul with some things that are really important for each and every one of us to remember and to hold close with us in life, then you would know that this is Guy Duplanchet. He is the host of Western Contours. And, And I always have to put this out. I think I've told you this before, Guy, but the very first podcast that I listened to before we went on the air as an example of what was the right things to do was Western contours with that's Guy crazy to me, man. Yeah, yeah that, that's absolutely that, every time you say that it blows my mind and I get giddy like a little school. <laughs> Can I get a box of that tissue? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Right, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Chad. <laughs> yes. Chad is me, prepared. It's always. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's huge accolades, man. I don't know if I deserve all that. Um, you know, just trying to, just trying to better us, man. I, I look around me in our community and I, and I just see so much good. And then I look around our world and I see so much madness and, and yeah. there's good, right. And, and just yeah. to expose it in this community and, and, and try to reach people outside of this community <clears throat> and share the good that's in this community. Right. Because we're, yeah. we're aliens to folks, right. We no don't doubt. exist or, you know, people yeah. have their opinions of hunters and, Mm-hmm. And I have mine, man, I got some stories for you guys. Good Lord. I have my opinions too. Uh, <laughs> sure. But for the most part, man, our value set is, is just, it's just a great value set. The things we share and the camaraderie mm-hmm. and, 
it's just an amazing community of folks, man. Just trying to share that and expose that a bit more and get past the superficial Mm -hmm. BS of of the world, man. And and just get down to the nitty gritty of our value set is just really. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's so much of that on the surface. And, and, and my dad always said that dirt always rises to the top. And it just seems like that a lot of times we only see the surface and we don't go down deep in. And that's one thing that I like about what you do. Uh, oh, yeah. I like about our community and uh, some of the things that we're trying to do as well. And there's so much good out there, but it doesn't sell, man. It yeah. just doesn't sell. Yeah. And look, man, I've, I've listened to, you know, the past 10 or 12 podcasts that guys done and man they get deep in the weeds on some real heavy stuff and did you hear chris rowe dude dude, yeah i'm a fan like i said dude you know you were like when you were talking the other day i forget who you had on with you you you're like man we were uh trying to forget the guy's name but you were like man we were supposed to be talking about elk hunting but it got really way off oh it was chris rowe dude i can't say chris rowe that's right for sure and and but dude everything needed to be said and heard for sure about what you guys had going on. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. So Thank well, you. what was great about that episode though, was they had that episode where they went off in that a rabbit hole. Yeah. So they got back together so they could talk about elk and got on the rabbit, rabbit hole, hole first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it was awesome, good, man. Dude. It's hard, but it's hard not to. Right. Oh, no, I mean, no doubt. Absolutely. It's, it's, absolutely, it's uh, honestly guys, I've been quiet. Right. And I've been quiet since I got back, because I've been kind of struggling, you know, I, uh, the, the content I put out is not like what you guys are putting out, right. It's, it's, there's some educational pieces in there. Right. But it it really is delving into more than that. And, and I almost feel like sometimes like, am I bringing enough value to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And I've been struggling with the fact that watching what's going on around, I I just almost feel like it's self-indulgent to feed, to feed my needs too. So I've been kind of struggling with what, you know, where am I at and what am I doing? And, and well, honestly, when Joe hit me up about getting on, I'm like, man, I think I need this to kind of get me back in the swing and get away from that. So always, my brother. always welcome with yeah. us. Always yes, welcome. Sir. Yeah. And you know, we, we jumped on the phone together. We were talking and uh, it was right after the hunt and he was talking and we just kind of telling our stories back and forth. And, 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 you know, the guy was just reeking of, positive energy from everything that <laughs> that had taken place on that mountain and the stories After a month yes, and, yeah. and what his journey and where his journey has come to and 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 these game-changing moments and and these life-changing moments you know elk hunting the guy has always been and 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 correct me if i'm speak out of place here guy but it's always been that touch his soul event you yeah. know chasing elk for him is beyond just a pursuit it's um i agree it's it's something that um that he dreams about talks about lives about trains about all during the year for the pursuit part but it's what it brings to him internally uh and and helps guide his life the rest of the year that i think is what his moth to a light is man i mean that elk that animal that overused word of majesty (laughs) but i haven't found a better one yet no there there isn't there really isn't a better word for them i mean they're just man they're just fun i I, when you said i I reeked of it i still stink like i I still stink man i you know and i've been i've been just fighting it because 
you know, I put all my eggs in that, in that September basket at this yeah. point, right? And it's right. like everything that I'm doing, saving, you know, planning, all that, it, it goes for September. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really, you know, I take days here and there. Like if I go to, you know, a trade show or if I'm doing like a math shoot and I'm podcasting, but I put my eggs in one basket, man. So by the time June, July, August, I'm just... I'm an a-hole. Like yeah. I don't even want to be around myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, when you come back from that month, man, that relief that you feel from those months of just being com- so compressed and pent up because you're just yeah. itching to to get away and spend that time in nature in God's country, and and then with that majestic beast of an elk. Yeah. I mean, just oh god. You know, I know how you feel, brother. I, this year, amongst all years, one of the toughest years we hunted, but. I'm going to tell you after about day four, normally you hit that wall and you're like, man, this is rough. Right. Cause big country, but, but man, I actually felt better as I went, go, as I kept going. And, and I felt like I didn't want to leave. You know, when we left, I felt like I was just hitting the stride where, man, I was ready to stay another 10 days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and I was like, God, I wish I could, I wish, and I got to figure this out where I can take off the whole month of September and go hunt. It's somewhere when I'm guiding or whether I'm hunting myself or, or whatever, man, I yearn to be in those woods, you know, and be around those critters. It was, and look, I, I, I think a lot of it had to do with the guys that I'm with too. I mean, they're absolutely the best. I got to, you know, rekindle a relationship with RC Knox, who's just a unbelievable fellow. So gracious and, uh, and, you know, when you're with the mafia, you're going to eat well, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> not if you're I just eucalyptus you know, had, leaves, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We eat eucalyptus leaves. Eucalyptus, I, I was dying when I heard that. I was like, it's awesome. I went so, to the gym and got on the elliptical. I was like, how many words can we come up? <laughs> can we come up with and replace the front with elk after I heard that? I was cracking up, man. No, it's, it's just not, you know, I'm with you. It's, uh, it's spiritual for me, man. It's, it changes it really my is. outlook for the rest of the year. And, uh, but like you said about June, I'm ready. I need to get back in it because, uh, getting a little cynical, you know, I will tell you though, man, I, you know, the, the, I think it was 24. Yeah. It was 24 days. The 24 days is a long time. Right. And we're talking elk hunting days. We're not talking regular wake up, go to work, come home, chill out, you know, hang out with wife and then go to bed. We're talking three 30 dedicated 10, 30 every single day for 20 some odd days. Yeah. You know, you are, and you have those days where you are at the lowest low. Like, why am I out here? Yes. Right. And then an hour later you're peaked and you're like, this is why the I'm out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it it, it really, I think the biggest thing in terms of that ride, right. The peak and the trough, the peak and the trough with that is that when you set back, even after 12, 13, 14 days of it, and you sit back and go, man, day nine, I was ready just to throw in the towel to a point. Like I was getting beat, you know, I couldn't, I can't seal this deal. And then you realize on day 14, wow, that was five days ago. You know, where did, where the heck did that go? But I got through those trials and tribulations. And as long as you keep that mindset and, and reminding yourself, you know, Hey, I, dang i got through that you know what i mean as hard mm-hmm. as it feels at times man it's just 
it is an amazing, it's the best roller coaster ride anyone could ever have. And I don't care how many seasons you get in or how much you could chase elk in September. It's the best roller coaster ride there is, man. It's, yeah. You know, you know it, yeah, it, in, in my case, um, I, I think I've shared many times in this podcast is I hate working out. I, I, I absolutely hate it. I don't, <laughs> I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. Um, and even after coming back from, uh, it's been progressive, right? But even after coming back this year from elk camp, I didn't even take a break. Yeah, I just I, cont- I started again because I just want to keep myself in a condition to where I can make my September enjoyable. And it's yeah. all because of September. Yeah. You know, it's just right. that it's, it's, that's, you know, a wise man once said, you, you know, start with the end goal in, in mind and, and that's it. And so my start is as soon as I get back, but <clears throat> to your point, just to drive back, it's, it's like a hangover. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I was in such a yeah. cool high and all of a sudden it's just like, man, I have to wait another freaking year you know, to live the, through these experiences again, you know, it's just yeah. like, yeah. And look, we hunt, you know, I mean, we hunt, we hunt hogs and deer and turkeys and you yes. name it. If it w- walks on hind legs and flies with wings, we're after it, you know? So, I mean, right. but it doesn't compare. It just doesn't. You know? I almost hate admitting that sometimes, right? I know, because I, know. I feel guilty. I, I enjoy the heck out of my home haunts yeah. and, and chasing these mule deer here. And we don't have huge herds in Southern California and we don't have very big bucks, mm-hmm. but man, I, I, I absolutely love it. But it, by no stretch of the imagination, does it compare? Not to, the same, not the same, man. I was just boys. telling the guys this past weekend, we had an incredible hunt. Uh, we killed seven hogs. I, I happened to kill two hogs with my bow on the same sit down. Beautiful shots. I was stoked. I was happy. Not the same. Like I said, I almost feel guilty yeah, and, and yeah. I don't want people to take it wrong. No, and, for and sure. I don't We're know that people will understand. Yeah. I, I don't think you really get the gravity of what the elk pursuit does to your soul. I, I, no, I agree. You know what I mean? Like for and yeah, there's people that are like, Hey, I'm out there. I'm going to go arrow, you know, the first cow, right. It's a freezer hunt for, sure. I, that's the weirdest thing to me when it comes to elk, but man, it, it'll tug at yours. I mean, it gets down into the, the deepest reaches of your being, in my opinion, at least Crazy for me, cool, right? I'm man. speaking for myself. It's just, so, it, it's spiritual and religious and the whole nine, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I'm pretty fortunate. Like I have already heard from Chab, Chab saying I'm already missing the mountains. I mean, I've seen that already and I'm pretty fortunate in that, you know, once, once that hunts over, I, I get back up in the mountains and my guide season starts. So I'm spending all kinds of time with those critters. And, and I, I think that's one of the things that I've been fortunate to do that lets me see how these animals act full circle. I just don't see the September realm. I see mm-hmm. the poor the during and the after yeah. right yeah yeah and look october is crazy i mean in new mexico maybe, right that's that, yeah. that's peak right is, is yeah. this time in new mexico is just screamers, oh, yeah. right i um this guy right here the elk i was blessed to harvest this year he was rubbing with pine and he smelled like pine when i harvested him so i made the, you know this mount is really untouched no taxidermy at all i just kind of bolted it into that thing and he still smells like pine. Awesome. So when I get, 
when I get, you know, a little, a little melancholic about the, you know, the mountains, I just kind of walk by and make a sniff, (laughs) take take a deep breath, man. And just transport myself to in six months. We'll see the little Christmas trees hanging off of it. So you still get that. (laughs) When when I talked to a guy, I, I knew at that time that I wanted to bring him on with us and, and especially with the journey that he's had and some of the things that we were talking about, I think he's excited to kind of, um, you know, decompress, get some of that stuff out, let, uh, let, let some of those uh, feelings come out. But at the same time, I think the things that I heard from him were a lot of game changers for him. I mean, when you reach a point in a hunt at, at day 24 and you look up and you go, I'm good. You know, that that's because there's been some things that have happened to make it that way. And mm-hmm. so uh, when we get to our content part after our shout outs here, man, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about those game changers, man. We're going to we're going to hear his story. We're going to hear about his hunt. And we're going to talk about those things, those realizations, those skills that make a difference on our elk hunting, those pieces to the puzzle, man. So I, I think it's some of those things that are really going to be a value to our listeners, but I hope our listeners understand that, like, like I said before, it's not necessarily the skill. You can tell people a skill, but sometimes it's the aha of how that works and why it works. And, you know, not, not just, you know, you hear people say, well, go out and do this. And it's like, well, right. I did that. What happened? You know, I didn't kill an elk, man. So uh, we're there's something that clicks. Yeah. Yeah, there's something, there it is, right there. The light bulb comes on, and we're going to talk about those moments when we get there, man. So, Gilbert, let's start rocking, bud. Guys, well, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros Shout Out. If you're new to our show, this is just a shout out to a few cities with most listeners. (laughs) Topping our charts this week. And you know what, guys? Before and, and I didn't even put this in for, for tonight. I, I found this and I apologize to our brother Eric. He sent this in to me um some time ago, and I don't know how I missed it, but with everything going on during September. Eric uh, Aragon. Yeah, Eric Aragon. Yeah, oh, he cool. sent a shout out into us that is is pretty doggone cool. So here's uh here's this shout out. Hey, morning out, bros. This is Eric. Hey, man, I got a special shout-out today. You never know who you're going to run into in the mountains, but uh, we got one of our blue-collar guys here, and I want him to introduce himself and give a big out bro shout-out. Yeah, my name is Bryce Haskell from Farmington, New Mexico. I'll give a big out bro shout-out to all you guys out there in the elk hunting woods. Hey, man, we're going to hunt today together. We're going to try to put one of these bag boys down up on top of the ridge. So, you know what? We'll see you on the next ridge, boys, later. <laughs> that is oh, way cool, cool, dude. Right, Elk Bros yeah. coaches. So awesome. Eric Aragon. Eric Aragon. Way cool, man. Bumped into a gentleman from Farmington, New, Farmington, New Mexico, and let him give a shout out to us, man. So, that's, that's, that's pretty doggone cool. Yeah, pretty cool. I like that little New Mexico accent, man. I've noticed that, you know, the folks I've met from New Mexico, they have that little, it's that New Mexico twang, man. And I really dig that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part Spanglish, part New yeah. Mexican. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cool, For though. sure. I, I once described it as they sing their words. It's kind of. Yeah, kind of like how, but uh, I don't know now. I've been here so long. I think I'm singing my words too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chad, right. get us started, brother. 
Here we okay. go. Okay, uh, this top listening city was first named White River, then Titusville, before an event 4,500 miles away in an English county in 1870 prompted a new name change. An aphid invasion in Europe devastated the hops crop there, which made the hops crops here in Titusville invaluable and the industry exploded. The city was renamed after the English county, which suffered the aphid invasion, and soon it became known as the hop capital of the world. Ironically, the rain ended by our own aphid invasion <laughs> right here in the U.S. in 1891. But this city is also known as the lettuce capital of the world and home to carnation condensed milk. And this is Kent, Washington. Kent, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So I'm going to play this foreigner here. The what is aphid? Oh, oh, I hate question, them dang man. things, man. So aphids uh, are a, they're a little they're a little uh, flying pest, uh, yeah. and they the ones uh, at least around here they're they're little white flying pests, yeah. man. And they get on and infect leaves and and yeah. your plants and get on your branches and whatnot and breed. Mm -hmm. And they and they're I think it's their feces, right? It is mm. this clear, sticky mess, man. If it gets on the windows of your truck or something, uh, it's such a pain in the tuckus to get off. Yes. I hate <laughs> my neighbor had a tree out front, man, and he had them daggum aphids, and it drove us crazy. And yeah, they, they, they actually feed from a plant and turn the, their their feces that comes out is like a sugar. Yeah, and, exactly. and ants will actually milk aphids. Ants mm -hmm. will take aphids and they take the secretion from the aphids and milk them for food for their colony. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's the, it's the moo cow of the insect mm -hmm. industry. That's a, that's a yeah. heck of a symbiotic relationship right yeah. there, buddy. That's Full circle with the, <laughs> Joe coming with the knowledge on the Yeah, aphids. man. You went, you went straight up. What do they call it? You know, Bill, my buddy Bill's got an entomology degree. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you yeah, know, I go with straight up, entomologist uh, on this. Right? What yeah, that, chap? Yeah, I was going to say the ants actually round up the aphids. And, yeah. 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 They, they, they farm them. them. They basically yeah. farm the aphids, man. But, you know, I, I didn't know how to feel about this, that <laughs> that this town here in the U.S., after those aphids trash the hops industry over yeah. in Europe, <laughs> that they they took the name of the place that got trashed and named it. Brought it over man. here. Yeah. Yeah. Kent, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. West, same thing. West Coast shows up, Joe. Well, I, I think what happened, too, was they suffered their own aphid invasion. I bet that place over in Europe brought a few of them little critters and said, hey. Sure could have <laughs> come over on a boat, huh, Joe? Yeah, absolutely, man. You bet you. All right, bro. Well, Joe, up next. Our next top listening city was originally named Dibbleville in 1834 after one of its early settlers, but changed to Fentonville in 1837 after the Lieutenant Governor of Michigan. When it became incorporated in 1863, the name was shortened to its current name. The Shiawassee River flows through the downtown area and there are 58 lakes within a 10 mile radius wow. of this city making it a water sports paradise. The city was home to the very first aviation school in Michigan and none other than Fenton, Michigan, just north of Brighton, just south of Flint. <laughs> Been through it several times, Joe. You handled that river name like a champ, bud. <laughs> well, I, I, knew, know. I, I, I don't know. know. It's actually kind of weak. I, I was just got to say, river. it's actually kind of weak. How was it weak? Man? I don't know, man. I just, I, it just, I didn't feel it. 
<laughs> all, all I know, if my much. town was called Dibbleville, I'd found another name for it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, them Michiganders, man, they got lots of. If you pull that up on Google, they got lots of lakes around there, for sure. And it's a uh, beautiful country going up from north from Brighton, headed towards Flint. It's all farmland up through there. So awesome. Stuff. Yep. All right, so Mr. Duplanchet, since you're from this state, let's see if you can tell us what town this is man this top listening city is located south of california's capital sacramento it is home to a large number of wineries wine cellars and vineyards it was founded in 1850 have have you figured this out yet guy as i go along you're still he's like wineries and cellars that could be anywhere so far (laughs) napa or sonoma (laughs) okay it was founded in 1850 as a stagecoach stop for people traveling from the San Francisco area to the state capital. From 2004 through 2006, it was the fastest growing city in the United States due to Apple Incorporated manufacturing its iMac computers there. Anything yet come to mind there, Mr. Planche? This is Elk Grove, California. I didn't realize Elk Grove was booming like that. Elk Grove, yeah, just south of Sacramento. Yeah. What well, it seemed like that boom happened in about really two years is when it yeah. happened. Yeah. My it's wife spent boom. my wife uh spent some of her childhood years in uh in Elk Grove. So that's pretty gotcha. cool. You think I'd know, but you know, I'm pay attention. At least she says that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so up next, this city was noted for its production of Nottingham lace. It later became known as the Electric City. When electric lights were introduced in 1880, the first successful streetcars powered by electricity were first operated here. Recently, the very popular television series, The Office, a sitcom about the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, a fictional paper company that sold office supplies, put this city back in the spotlight. The brand is now used to sell products at Staples. It is also hometown of Beto's president, Joe Biden, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We go, Brandon. <laughs> and, our, you know, one thing that points out here that a lot of people don't know uh, is that there are so many towns in the United States that had those streetcars, man, even in Las Vegas, New Mexico here, they had streetcars going through that community. And Tesla is thinking they're innovating, man. What the hell? This was in 1880. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our final town was originally called the summit by early railroad engineers due to its geographical location. The town motto is a nice place to call home, and it's also part of Chicago metropolitan area. It was established in 1852 when the railroad stopped there and incorporated the village in 1869. The name was derived from a Potawatomi Indian word meaning high point, place of contentment, and a place of the maples. 
Manuka, no. Illinois. Manuka. Manuka, yeah. Manuka, Illinois in the house. See, see, Beto, that's how you pronounce stuff like that, dude. Yeah, man. Hey, Chad, go. give him some tissue. Tissue, <laughs> 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 bro. <laughs> hey, hey guy, can you come and do that for Manano each week when he's struggling? <laughs> yeah. So Actually, yeah, you know, I was kind of wishing he was here because I was going to use his accent on a couple of these things here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, at least at least Joe is not going to have to edit so much and he won't have to speed it up when you come, you know, when you know. <laughs> I was I was cracking up right as I was getting caught up on episodes and whatnot. And and, and I'm hearing the the leaders of the Venezuelan mob. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was like, oh. This so lame, <laughs> so lame, dude. Well, I, so lame. I Beto to used to be. Beto so used to be lame. a lot braver than that, man. I don't know what's going on with Beto. He's you can't win enough. with either one of them, bro. You try to make it <laughs> you, you just know, level make... playing field and everything, <laughs> man. Can't give no participation trophies in this day and age, man. Got to be a clear winner between. I'm, I'm officially a leader, man. I have a cup. It says so. So, <laughs> so it happens there. All right. For today's conversation, man, guy, um, we get to get down to this. Here's our, here's our opportunity, man, for, you know, you to talk to us a little bit about your hunt, tell us about some of those things. And, and then we'll just, uh, there's some of the things that we'll, that we want to talk about, but we're going to take this wherever this conversation goes, man. So if we hit a rabbit hole, then we're in it, man. Um, I know it's going to be a great place to be. So okay. tell us, tell us, you know, yeah, 24 days. And when I talked to you, you were like, brother, I'm all good. So there had to have been some things that led up to that. So let's, let's, Let's hear it from you. Tell us about Man, that. I, I almost have to start this off, right, with explaining my focus going into this season over the course of the last year. Sure. Uh, and I'll keep it as short as I possibly can. Keep me on track. I don't want to go too crazy. Um, a lot of my focus this year, right, because so it's this is my fourth season hunting elk. Okay. So everybody that's listening is clear. And the first season, I walked into the woods, piped off. Elk answered like eight of them. Uh, buddy, cow calls, cow call, call, cow calls. Elk runs in. He's dead. I mean, it's seven thirty in the morning. Um, and, and it was over, <laughs> this right? shit is easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so call me tainted. Right at that point, yeah. right, you're kind of jaded. And yeah. where was this? What state? that was in? That was in Wyoming. Wyoming. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sweet, dude. Mm -hmm. So, so after that, right, it's okay. Get back to Wyoming. Well, Wyoming is a three point state, in my opinion. If you're if you're running a special tag. Um, in some of those, you know, easier to draw units, uh, the lower point units there. Um, so it's not on always an option. So Colorado OTC, um, you know, largest elk herd in the nation, blah, 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 blah. And, and you go to Colorado. Um, thing with Colorado is, yeah, there's a lot of elk, but it's a lot of country and it's a lot of big country. And it's a lot of country that and you're looking at people. topos. And I, that's what I do for a living. I'm on, on, on blueprints and maps all day, every day. Yeah. Um, but you get out into some of that bigger country and man, it is, it's it, sometimes it's needle in a haystack and I haven't had a problem so much being in the elk, but understanding where I'm at in elk. Yeah where the elk are at and why they're there on the landscape right mm -hmm. and the communication aspect of elk so i went into this season and my focus was okay i know how to find them i know where they exist on the landscape uh i know how to look at the preferences uh in terms of what they're looking for 
but the problem has been the communication, right? Not. Guy, let me interrupt you, man, because uh -huh. I think you said something so, like, that just, when, you know, yeah. yeah, it just resonated with me. You said never, never really had a problem being in elk, but where I was at with elk. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference there. There's a huge gap in between the two, but, you know, as a listener that is just trying to understand what you just said, is there a better way that you can explain that? Because yeah, I can, I can relate. It resonated with me big time, but I don't, I, I don't know that I can explain that. I, I can, I can it from my scenarios. Right. So if we go back to 2019, 2020, and I think Joe and I had this conversation, um, you know, we were in elk, but I couldn't get the elk to stop. Right. I, I couldn't I couldn't stop the movement. I couldn't, you know, wait. Oh, there there they are. You know, ooh, whatever we're going to do. Right. Destination. Scream at them, you know, uh, chirp mew at them, whatever. And but those elk would not stop. Right? right. Well, on the landscape, we were in the right spots. Right. We were in the right place, so to speak. But what we were doing is we weren't at a nor we were or we were at B. We were in the middle of A and B. Right. Elk Transition. have a place. Yeah where they want to be and a place that they're or a place Go where on. they were in a place they want to be. Yeah. We're hunting transition. So yeah. I liken that to hunting on a freeway, yeah. right? Try and stop a car on the freeway when you're standing on the shoulder, yeah. not likely that that car is going to stop. Right? right. And, and that's how I likened it. So understand how, how there, there is a way. How, how long did it take you to understand that? Two years, <laughs> two years, yeah. two, it was two seasons. Right. And so the first time we were there, we were there for six, 11 days. We were planned 16. My boy was done. So we came home at 11 Yeah, and I didn't get it right. And, and it was just like, man, I, I don't know what was going on. We had a chance encounter where that was the closest we were. Range was wrong. Went over right over the back of a stud bull. And then the next season that was 21 days, I think. I think it was 21 days and you know, first part of the season we're with a group and it's hard to hunt in a group of, of folks. I mean, that is just, tell me about it. Yeah. That's just another conversation, right? Don't do mm -hmm. it is, is my, <laughs> my opinion. Um, and the wife come out and, and she was there with me for a little while and I started to see things. I'm like, okay, let me, let me figure this out but I still didn't have it. Right. It was like, okay, what I was trying to do was pattern them. There was, there's these five benches and the benches are just tiered down this hillside. Right. The water's plentiful. And it was basically, you know, their, their, their nighttime area, be it feeding or whatever to their bedding area for that, that day period. Well, we always stayed in between a and B and we get on the mm -hmm. screen there. It didn't yeah. matter what bench we were on. I could never stop them. Yeah. I came home after that hunt. I, I walked in the house. I sat on the couch, took my shoes off and I laughed and I go, that was the freaking problem. I'm hunting. And that's exactly what I said to me. That's the problem. I'm hunting on a freaking freeway. Yeah. I'm hunting them in. I think I called, I called Joe and I called uh, Michael Batiste and I'm like, I was hunting on a freeway. I'm hunting in the transition the whole time I'm there. I couldn't understand why I couldn't get these elk to participate in my game plan <laughs> yeah. yeah it was almost it was almost like again you were an elk but you could not interact with them right mm -hmm. you you right. couldn't you couldn't have that interaction to where you felt that there was a connection for you to kind of you know 
put them in the position that you needed them to be. Well, and, and where you were with them at, they were rolling, man. They, oh, they, like were, they were just starting but, their transition yep. or they were at the end of it. They were, they were in that middle part where, you know, those cows were got their nose yeah. to the grindstone. And, and that bulls question up. here. Here's a question for me though. I mean, and, and I'm sure, you know, somebody will be asking, so does that mean that we rather not hunt in transitions? Because I believe that, under, really understanding elk behavior, understanding how to call, and obviously once you get to a, you know, a better understanding of their behavior, you can. You just need to know how to yes. hunt those Absolutely. transitions. Right. It's All an right. evolution, right? It's an evolution exactly. of hunting, right? Sure. Um, exactly. But but and, and here's part of the problem, and, and Beto was kind of talking about it is, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're hunting them in the middle of of where they want to be. Well, what happens is, you know, we we say it, and I said it this year. I, I was doing little videos here and there, right? Don't don't leave elk to find elk well <laughs> that that will stump a guy or gal right because now we're in elk but we're, we don't realize we're in between a and b but we're in elk here so we don't want to go further right well where are they going dummy stop hunting in the mm-hmm. middle realize right. where you're at right yeah. you're not leaving elk to find elk you're just yeah. You're, going you're, following where them. you're pursuing yeah. them you're going to where they yeah. want to be yeah. and that was one of the things we didn't if you don't know what you don't know Right. right. And, and it, it's very difficult with the flood. I, and I, I say that, but I'm, I'm just generalizing the flood of information that's available on elk hunting. Right. And this has been my problem and, and, and it may not be a problem for someone else. The flood of information, everything I know about hunting is, is based on, on mule deer and pigs. Right. I would never stop a pursuit in the middle, a point, you know, five, right? That halfway mark and not pursue them to be, but because of the things we hear and, you know, what's being presented to us and not understanding what is being said or have it not spelled out and not having the experience. I was thinking that I'm not going to leave this area because I'm in elk. Well, I wouldn't do that on mule deer or pig. I would pursue them to the end point and kill them. You know, it just, it's the weirdest thing how, how it works. and, And you ended up with a small definition of being in elk. You know, mm-hmm. it's because I, I it had passed this, you by. It, it, it's an mm-hmm. encounter spot. So yeah. you had a spot where you were having an encounter, <laughs> but you had no control over that Nothing. encounter. Exactly. So I, that, the definition of being in elk is is not is not defined to being that's that defined encounter location interact interacting yeah. with it, them, it, it's yeah. not that they come through this trail every day at 12 o'clock so i'm only going to be on this trail you know it's uh so I, I i hear what you're saying on that and i think a lot of people are like that because mm-hmm. when they get in that area and then you've got that bull that's coming through and the bull is sounding off they give a cow call the, the bull has a whole bunch of cows in front of him and he you know he reacts to you because he's saying come over here come on come on right come on come on and you hear him not knowing the language and you're like oh he just sounded off i'm setting up i'm I'm gonna gonna call him back at him and all of a sudden he gets further he gets further especially he bugle at him what did i do that's exactly right people are like what did i do i scared him away he's running from necessarily and absolutely not running from you he's he in fact going to where he was going yeah 
Well, he oh, was just following where the he's cows are going. The cow. That's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, the cows are determining that. And he might have even stayed <clears> there for a second and engaged verbally with you. But as those cows got further away, all of a sudden he's like, oh, oh my God. You're, you're yeah. just that hitchhiker yeah. on the side of the road asking yeah. for a ride. And then, yeah. you know, the driver just keeps on going, man. Just yeah. wave to you. And uh-huh. wave. That's it. See it's you. not like the hitchhiker <laughs> scare the, the vehicle off. No, they, they were still and, going in that direction regardless something i want to put out for our listeners right now too is that you know when you talk about transitions a morning transitioning herd moves a lot faster uh than an evening transition herd they'll walk down tell me about it yeah i i really been behind them behind (laughs) joe (laughs) (laughs) and if if you're you know if you really want to get into elk in the evening there are people that wake down at the bottoms of those four those animals to get to their feed areas or their nighttime bed and have that last 15 minutes of an encounter but if you want more productive time then you're going to utilize those transition areas where those animals are going to get up and start feeding. So I, I just want to put that out there and then let, let you go with that. And, and Guy, I'm sorry I interrupted, but I, I thought that was such a cool way of putting it. And just it, I, yeah. I just saw the potential of a, a huge point and and we'll never that's we'll why never get I, through I this episode bro but what you're saying is it resonates with a lot of guys that yeah you know they don't have a ton of experience with what you're doing right whether you're hunting in the destination or you're hunting the transition and look i like you me you know the last few years the last five years it is no doubt an aha moment when you go Oh, that's where they're going. Well, if I get in there, I'm going to kill one. Right. Mm-hmm. And the wind's got to be, there's lots of things that go into, can we get in there? You know, is the wind right? I mean, you wait two days before the wind can get right before you can try to get into one of those bedrooms. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's super important that you do diligence that you're not breaking the herd off the mountain, you know what I mean? And running them off for good. So I'm sure you've, you know, a lot of that's trial and error for you too. And, and yeah, I mean, everybody wants to see elk, everybody wants to be where they're at, but understanding how to speak the language to slow them down or to stop them or to get them to, to do some things that you want to do really doesn't matter if they're in that mode that you're talking about when they got their nose to the grindstone and they're, they're rolling going, to they're a going, destination, yeah. you know, Especially you're, that lead cow, you're but... in hunt number two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually had a point to what Gil was saying. Um, that you know, you 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 set the win right. It, you you could do everything else wrong. You you got it. You want to see elk? You better have your win right. Like I don't care what you're doing, what level of elk hunter you are. Your win has to be appropriate for the yeah. pursuit, right? Yeah. If it's not appropriate, all bets are off. You're not going to see oh, them. You're not yeah. going to be in them. I just want to reiterate that, that that is of paramount importance when we're talking elk. I mean, they don't play with their nose. Yeah, you can fool the eyes. You can fool the ears. You're not going to fool the nose. And if it ain't right, you, you're you not going to even know that they were there because exactly. they're out they're out of country before you even realize it. So, um, so okay. So, yeah, that was hunt number two. Um and, and for me, it's, it's, it's hard, right. With elk hunting, it's hard to settle back while you're in season and evaluate, right. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, there's this self-imposed pressure, you know, me, I got this Western hunting podcast. I love elk. Um, and I ain't killing elk. 
yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's, there's a little bit of implied pressure there. And, yeah. and the majority of that is on me. Right. And I'm, I'm okay with saying that I'm a preemie in the L game. Um, but there's still this self-inflicted pressure because I am determined to do this. And then I do have a standard of bull because yeah. Wyoming jaded me. <laughs> sure. Right. And, and that's kind of hindered me too, where I'll pass on something because that's my standard. And, mm -hmm. and when, once I get something in my head mm -hmm. to my detriment at times, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. No, nothing less because I won't be satisfied. And I almost feel like it does the animal a disservice for me to be disappointed. Right. So I, I won't send an arrow to anything that I'm not going to be just and crazy it, over the top of perfect, it. guy right? that takes a lot of maturity as an so archer does. man 100 i tell you wow. what man, i did it for many years yeah for this, many many years this year and i think my, my wife is the best right so yeah. you know i told her i go I, i'm to getting to the point where it's i think i'm just gonna go any bull and she goes are you sure that you want to do that because mm -hmm. you know how you are are you sure you'll you know? get and there I, yeah. yeah and i was just like you know, and, and I struggled with it for three or four yeah. days. It got quiet. Muzzleloader season was kicking off. And uh, I'll, I'll get into that story because that, sure. ooh, man, you want to talk about a tank, tank <laughs> of a bull. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll keep Joe while JoJo's gone. But so, you know, coming back off of that season, that was the realization, right? And then I started a lot. I did a lot of rake in that second season. And I really enjoy I, I love raking, right? Because you get a response from a bull. The problem is, is if the setup isn't right and you're not escalating that that dialogue, right? Because it is dialogue. 100. Yeah. If you're not yeah. escalating that or if you're not in the right position, you are not going to get a shot opportunity by doing these inaudible sounds back and forth with this animal. Mm -hmm. So, And you're talking wait. hunting alone. Yes. Yeah. And, and your setup's got to be right because if there's a big – a big area where he can stop and look and try to see that bull raking and he don't see him. These oh, bulls aren't stupid. No. If they're not seeing elk, they're not coming out into the wide open. I can tell it, you that. Especially when you start talking age class, right? Yes. And, and I'm not talking, you know, a eight, nine year old monarch. I'm talking, right. you know, four or five, six year old animal, yeah. you know, which in Colorado's landscape, that's, that's a, a heck of bull. an animal, right? That's for a sure. mature bull for, yeah. for what we're seeing in those OTC units. Yes. Um, so that was the focus, right? In, in going into this past September, it was like, look, I got, I, there's certain things I got a knack for just in woodsmanship because I hunt anyway, right? right. There's things that, that I know I can figure out. Um, I don't care about terrain, right? It can beat me up, break me down. I'm going to just keep going sore, yeah. beat, tired, whatever. And, and so that doesn't matter, but it was like, okay, where, where do I see the biggest gap in my game mm -hmm. and then i started thinking about pigs and mule deer okay a lot of how i look at them is in terms of their behaviors right mm -hmm. and their and their evolutionary biology that's the telltales so it really got me delving down the language stuff right and and in my opinion and, and you know mike batiste and paul Medell, and then oh, i got yeah. it and i started I, I found chris rowe on kafaru cast right he was with mm -hmm. snyder and it, they didn't talk about elk hunting at all mm -hmm. right they he chris went off on this crazy tangent and i was just like i kind of you know got a got a man crush on this dude right like right. he's just speaking his mind <laughs> Yeah. So, so I, I was like, well, let me check him out. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, how the heck haven't I seen this guy all over? So I started following him and 
um, talked to him, you know, over DMs or whatnot. And then I got on his, uh, his row hunting resources and I'm like, wow, this dude's a wildlife biologist. Like this is, this is awesome. Right. So yep. I just started consuming that. And then I was telling Joe that, you know, that, uh, the Elk Bros base camp, right. That's, that's, it's invaluable, so to combine that, yeah. right, and say, okay, now, now I have this upside down learning approach, right, yeah. that Joe put together, and then I have, you know, Paul Medell and his experiences over here, and and this Elknut app with with all these, you know, sounds that I can constantly play to myself, and you know, talking to Mike, but and Mike and I talk all the time, and now I got Chris Rowe. So how do I combine this stuff? Yeah. What do I already know? And I'm looking at it. I'm going dude, this is, this is crazy. So yeah. it was just all about behavior and why we say the things and understanding the temperature of the animal. And I just started going down that road and then going through the base camp and trying to figure out where Joe is talking about it. And then Chav, where, where Chav has his insight into it. And it was just like, just stacking this information, stacking this information. You know, I probably went through I'm going to say easy. I went through 30 to 40 diaphragms last year, just, you know, some of my left in my truck. So they didn't last yeah. as long and it was just <laughs> driving around. You know, I do some serious miles, you know, running around from job to job. So I'm, you know, yeah, my, my, nano, my nano does the same thing. Yeah. And I'm yeah, just, he goes through about calling. 30 or 40. And it, it was, <laughs> and it was, Why are you guys laughing, man? That's messed up. <laughs> trying to be serious here, you know, <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't just about calling, right? It wasn't about, can I make this sound? It was, what am I saying? Same. What am I asking Ooh, you to spot do? On. Right. Let me tell what you that that's a game changer, brother. If the last two years have been game changing, understanding what call, they are saying elk right if yeah. you scream scream a bugle that yeah. awesome right it's fun yeah. right and you can get lost in it the problem yeah. is in my opinion we get lost in it we do right and we don't know we, what we're telling yeah. we get we don't we're not even telling them anything exactly. we're just screaming yeah. to locate hey exactly. i'm over here hey tony hey what's your name ezekiel right it's like the dogs you've seen on tiktok yeah. where you yeah. run up and go yeah. hey yeah. Yo, who are you <laughs> hey i'm tony yeah. uh-huh <laughs> so well, i think i think chris Rowe makes uh makes an analogy of of uh somebody in the supermarket you yeah. know uh, standing yeah. up in the middle of it and just uh, you know, uh, talking about um, yeah, talking about when somebody screams something, yeah. somebody yeah. screaming something that has nothing to do with the with fruits the that are around them, right? right. So people will yeah. be like, "What the heck? This dude is crazy. I'm going to get away from them." Versus, <laughs> "Hey, I, you know, you know, exactly. we got we got low prices in these fruits right below me. Who wants who wants some?" And then you actually bring people in. So but, that to me think, was a great analogy. What, what guy's saying is, is 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 you're exactly right with all of that, Luis. But he's saying, you know, so many people get lost in just making this a bugle sound and yeah. and and they want they want it to sound raspy on the front and they want it to sound like this and they want to scream something on the end and it sounds like a great bugle but in the world of elk yeah it's, it's, it's not it, what it's is not it? matching yeah no, so what I, is I can tell you this year guy i could tell i don't know 10 bugles that i heard i knew exactly they were hunters elk don't bugle like that they don't use that bugle for what would the purpose was, right? Mm -hmm. These are round up bugles that are really hard all of a sudden. I mean, there is no broadcast. I mean, you're just not going to see a bull doing a big roundup and all that right from the get-go. 
you know, um, it's just not going to happen like that. So, I, I mean, RC and I would look at each other and go, man, that bull is, it's got a big roundup to it. And, you know, no, nothing at all. It sounded like he was trying to be in the middle of a herd. And there is, I mean, and you know, for a fact that that's a hunter because elk just don't do it like that. You know? Well, and then on top of that, Beto, you have to add the fact that we soon realized that the population of elk where we were hunting wasn't very Talking thick. anyway. Exactly. Well, it wasn't very thick it either. Was. I mean, right, that we right. with the, the elk we had spotted, I mean, there were no more than two or three uh, together, if that, you know, so we, we knew that they weren't herded up yet. That was a big deal for me, right? So the last two seasons prior to this one, the elk were silent. Like, I think last year we heard two bugles during season and 20-something days. Mm -hmm. This year, I mean, it, I'd wake up at, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock every morning. I'd get out and, ho, 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 seven, eight oh, bugles. Wow. I think we had four days where we didn't have the bulls just screaming at night, right? Oh, so when God. you're in a scenario like that, there's a lot of, and we'll talk about it. There's a lot of learning to be had yeah. if you slow it down and appreciate the fact that you're in those animals and you can absorb and learn in the moment. So going back to, yeah. you know, those lessons from last year. So imagine taking that evolutionary biology and the discussions that Chris has in terms of why elk are saying what they're saying. And then he breaks down the sounds, the length of sound and why, you know, why this sound, what that sound, and, and basically talks, explains how to talk the language, learning a second language and taking the elk bros information and the scenario based reading and looking at those situational aspects of it and putting the two together. Gold. If, if, if I had, and, and I am not being arrogant, you would have had to tie me up and beat me over the head with a chain in the back to tell me I wouldn't have killed a bull within the first 10 days this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's how confident I went into season with mm -hmm. taking those two resources, understanding where I'm at in the game and then combine. Oh man. I, I felt like game did nothing calm. wrong. Oh yeah. man. It was just unbelievable 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 going into well, how, and how well did it apply in reality dude <laughs> <laughs> okay, for the here, listeners for the listeners guys eyes got super yeah, big, big man yeah. <laughs> so i called i called in for myself 13 bulls some wow. of those bulls multiple times i called in busted elk i mean eight to 12 animals busted running 300 yards to private lead jumps over. I called them all back to shooter every single one of them. Right. And there is absolutely zero way that I could have done that. If I didn't combine those resources, period, I don't care. I would have had to been in the woods for five more years to understand what I needed to say. Just if I based it on my own experience, I, I, I couldn't have done it. I absolutely could not have done it. But using those resources, I knew what was going on. I didn't see a bull there, right? And that's and and I'll just say it, right? So what happened is 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 uh, for the first five days of my trip, I was I just played caller. Um, Brandon Waddell, um, we had the same tag, and and I just played caller, right? Um, I was Brandon's caller, and he, I'm like, dude, I smell elk heavy, and he goes, well, I'm gonna creep down. So he creeps down, wind is right, and then all of a sudden, I just see this herd bust out. And, and we're hunting quakies, mind you. Okay. And, and this, that's a, 
whole nother ball game. I mean, sure. you want to talk about a <laughs> another ball of wax hunting the yeah. Quakies is no joke. So Brandon goes down and I mean, he just bust his herd out <clears throat> and to no fault of his, right. We were right on top of them. You could smell. I mean, it was just like, woo, the sweet smell and they bust out. Well, when they bust out, I see cows, I see spikes, I see calves. I don't see a, I don't see a bull. So how am I going to get these animals to turn around is the first question you got to ask yourself, what are they doing? What do I see? Evaluate the situation. Guess what I did? Boom. I hit them right round up bugle. That lead cow had already jumped private 300 yards away. The other elk turned, looked like, oh, there he is. She jumped back over. I kid you not. They walked directly back to me, came up the hill, and they were 30 yards below me bedded. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was B.A. <laughs> I'm going to keep it clean for the elk bros. It was B.A. I was like, wow. yeah, I just did that. So, you know, you, you have this, you have these scenarios playing out. And as long as you can stay focused and remember what you learned and not let that emotion and excitement get the best of you, you're going to win in those calling setups, right? Yeah. You can absolutely win. You can beat everything because you're, you're, you know, the language you're telling them, Hey, I want you back over here, right? Yeah. Round them up, round them up. They, I mean, they came back without a without hesitation i had a bull that did that we we played this oh, it was a great six by five man beautiful beautiful rack and uh we're we we're going up we, we come down a ridge we we drop down in this drainage come back up well as we're coming back up right as i smelt the elk boom herd blows out i mean they just blew pat but they ran right by us well same kind of same type of scenario right it's all cows and we're sitting up there. I said, well, you know, we set up and we can hear a bull. So I go, well, here we go. Cows are gone. Okay. What do you, the cows are gone. And I have this bull screaming. He's talking. He wants to know where his cows are. Hi, I'm right here is what I said. I am over here. So he hits me and he's like, well, I want you over here. No, I want you over here. I'm your lead cow assembly mew, right? Chirp assembly mew. And you could just hear him coming hear him coming. And I'm like, Brandon, do not let me say anything for 15 to 20 minutes, get set up. He's coming. And man, 12 minutes, 12 minutes. Exactly. I hear, I'm like, Oh, and then I hear he's coming. And I look, I'm like, what the hell's Brandon doing right behind me? He's supposed to be set up on the other side of this thing. <laughs> so this bull's coming in and I'm looking and I'm probably I'm probably above him upslope about two feet and I'm down like this looking, I'm watching him come in. I'm trying to see his rack and we are eye to eye. He has no idea. I'm there. We, I mean, I'm looking at his brow line and I'm like, my well, <laughs> shooter got impatient, <clears throat> come out of his lane, comes around. And when this bull comes in, my shooter's 12 foot off of my nine o'clock. We're in Quakies, right? I'm hiding. I'm in Quakies. I'm in the bedding area calling this bull, telling him, hey, get over here. He comes and he's walking, right? He's walking. He's coming through. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, I can't see his whole rack, but I'm like, this is a good bull. He has some decent mass and he has these cool, like crazy, like flame looking deals going on, kind of crabby looking, like almost palmated in, in between its, uh, his tines. And I'm like, man, and he's coming, he's coming. And then he turns, he circles, he brushes the ground. And I'm like, what? And he goes, boom. 
and all you hear is him thump. And you know, when they, when they Lays lay down, down, when they bed, they go, Bow! right. And he beds <laughs> and I'm like, he's five, five to seven feet away from me. And I'm like, this bull just, he just did exactly what I asked him to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Again, going back to understanding the language, this bull bedded. I called him to the bedding area. I said, get over here. We're in the bed. I knew the cows were gone. Again, paying attention to the scenario, not letting the excitement, the emotion get you and just staying disciplined is the problem. <laughs> One of my problems with calling, right, is staying disciplined yeah. and letting the time elapse. And the only reason the bull didn't die is because my shooter came out of position and, and quakies again, there was no lane yeah. and that bull bedded and, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm videoing, right. And I'm laughing and I'm videoing Brandon and he's back there and he's like, you gotta be kidding me. This bull just bedded. I thought he was going to walk through. Well, he did walk through the opening, yeah. but you were out of position. So it was, it, man, it was so, it, it was the funniest thing, man. And, and that bull, he bet it and he, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. I felt that wind go smack and I didn't uh, smell him. And what did he do? Boom. He blows down the hill, right? There's a decoy sitting back here. So I dive basically land on my back, grab the decoy and I hit him. I hit him with the bark. Right. And he's at the bottom of the hill. He stops in his tracks, looks back up, sees the decoy. I chirp at him. He comes back around, starts trying to get me to come to him again. And I said, Nope. I told Brandon, get so, ready. So break, break this down okay. because you know, there's things that you're saying that Sorry, I want everybody to understand. Right. <laughs> so like, for example, when those cows came through and you said that bull yelled at you to come to him, what kind of call was he given for you to come to him? It should be, uh, he, he hit us with the, uh, with the, uh, roundup, right? The roundup bugle. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So did he, he ever hit chuckle us after did he ever chuckle after it? He did, but but it was really weird, right? Because he'd he'd, he'd hit you with it and he'd real, <laughs> no, just real light, just yeah, and just, that was it. Just to yeah. armor right yeah. here. He yeah, should yeah. know come on, maybe his direction. Yeah. So he gives that roundup bugle with a little bit of here's my location, mm -hmm. basically yeah. telling that cow to come to him. Oh. Now, one thing the guy said is he hits him with something that says, No, I'm not coming to you, come to me. Yeah. Right. And so he is using what call was that again, guy? Assembly mute. Assembly. Yeah, assembly. Because assembly. an assembly mew is something that that bull has heard ever since he was born. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it's not uh, uh, an insistent call. It's not just a chirp. It's not, it's not a, a love mew. Because if, it, if he'd have come with a mew, if he'd have come with one of those passionate mews, that bull would have rounded him up again and said, get over here. Get over but here. instead, he gave him something that that bull has heard from his mama, his aunt, all of the cows since he was little is get your butt over here. Right. And he responds to that. So right. I, I think that's, that's real. Now when that bull spooked and went down and he yeah. threw out that bark there, man, that, Oh, wait a second. Who is that down there? Show yourself. Yeah. Now, now that bull's like, well, who's telling me to show myself. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then he hears a chirp up there and he looks yeah. up and he sees a cow and him. everything that you did there was, oh, was, man. was spot on dude. Absolutely. And, 
And, and I wanted our listeners to hear this because I want them to understand that there are reasons behind things. There are whys that you do it. And there are short bugles. There are longer bugles. And, and, you know, and that's what I tell people too, is it's not really that difficult to do. If you want to do a roundup, just do a short location, man. If you want it to be more display, then you can add a short lip ball to it. You know, so, I mean, there's ways of doing these that they're not that difficult. So I, I just wanted you to, I just wanted to make sure that they understood that guy because that that is game-changing stuff and you know you also mentioned something else that you had difficulty with in the past was giving it time to marinate man yeah right i'm big time big time problem for me yeah and i and 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 i have that issue this year Mm -hmm. right um me too one thing to add to what joe was saying there is in, in all this, right, if if that bull is with cows, if he's tending cows already, that lead cow, I don't care what that bull looks like, is not in control. And that is that was the decision maker for me, right? That bull's not in control. The stuff I saw with lead cows this year and, and how the behavior of the herd is behind that lead cow, it, it made it even more invaluable. So so that was my decision making purpose was you know hey i know his cows are gone Mm -hmm. that lead cow controls period point blank he's gonna listen boom get over here buddy Mm. guy guy the the opportunity that you have now because you understand the language how big a game changer is that for you? Well, we'll talk about that because I still didn't kill nothing after 24 days. <laughs> yeah, but no, but, but even at even that, for me. I, I think you I, took, I, I think I you took back more than, yeah. yeah. I did kill I, something, but man, I felt way more powerful when oh. I was in the woods. But, I, but not, but you weren't, you weren't shooter for 24 days. I, exactly, and exactly. you know, so, you know, <laughs> you learned so much calling too. It just being a caller, man. You I, I honestly, I honestly, and I told Joe, I'm going to be his understudy there on the ranch because I honestly really, really enjoyed calling for someone else because yeah. there's, there's a level of ease that's there. Right. You don't have the pressure of wanting to put that arrow through the through the pump house. So you're able to set back and stay out of your emotions and talk right? to them and talk, and talk to, the, to elk. the elk. Yeah, right. And, and if you're paying attention, doing that man, that the educational piece of that yeah. is going to set you. Like I said earlier, I'm five, six years advanced from the first <laughs> five days of season. For sure. Right. Because I took this stuff. I focused. I knew my weak points. Right. And you got to be honest about your weak points. And, and, and I'm not saying your calls sound bad. I don't care how, man, I, I let out a couple of bad calls this year. You know, you, you get frustrated and your, your oh, calls yeah. start to go, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you I go through a, that, you go through that roller coaster yeah, too, where you get yeah. insecure about the first call that you throw out, man, that happened to me this year. Well, yeah. but, but it reeled me in because a bad call it got a response. Absolutely. And it's like, it doesn't. I, yes. I was just going to say there, there was a time, um, I think Gilbert and, uh, was up above me, uh, to one side, Cole was up above me to the other side. I mean, we're, and, and when I say above me, we're, we're three quarters of a mile apart with elk in between us that are responding. And 
I, I had really dry mouth and, uh, and, and cold and the cold lip thing, trying to throw out some lip ball displays that, <laughs> that didn't even get close to getting to where I wanted them to. So when, when they started to go out, I just added some more, you know, of that. And that doggone bull went nuts. nuts. Because <laughs> It, it was something that was was actually more realistic. Like, um, I, I just got done with a hunt just now. A bull that I was on that I knew was the herd bull, I knew he was a herd bull because the dude had to have been screaming all night long, keeping bulls off. So his voice was just that. I mean, there was nothing <laughs> to it left. It was the worst sound. So I knew he was the herd bull that everybody had been harassing. And so sometimes when you give that type of call out like that, it's actually more realistic than you think. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's kind of like the Barbie doll syndrome. We mm-hmm. think everybody, you know, you know that everybody in life has a picture of what something's supposed to look like, or, you know, they have what a big bull is supposed to sound like. When actuality, man, you know, they put out so many shortened versions they put out raspy stuff their their voice gets tired so yeah real low audible that's that's a big one right i mean you gotta understand that low audible stuff when you're hearing that low audible stuff you're in tight well even even when we're talking locate bugles yeah right Mm -hmm. a locate bugle doesn't have to be this scream Mm -hmm. not at all I, i heard more locates on that lower end yeah right that lower db end this season than i even thought possible in a season oh, and especially it was if like, it's warm and they're a little lazy oh and, man yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. so so to keep that going right so you know that that bull got to the bottom he looks back after i hit him you know with the with the bark and the and the chirp there he comes back around right and he's like hey i'm over here and i'm like okay well we're gonna play this game again right so Mm -hmm. i hit him with the same thing guess what he did here he comes Mm -hmm. i can hear him again hear him again (laughs) guess what happened and where's waddell he's back in spot he's he's in position (laughs) well then i hear i hear his cow assembly you uh-huh i go we're done (laughs) <laughs> just turned him around well yeah she she assembly mute him and she was maybe 40 yards from me she mm-hmm. assembly mute him and that was all she wrote right because he knows her he thought yeah. that that was me but he knows yeah. her he yeah. he just went to them and they went and and what it was is we were in their morning bed area we were i was literally calling him from a bed they went to their afternoon bedding spot right that's where she called them to hey something's going on over there I'm assembling you over here that we, cause they dropped down. They went the long way, but he came, he was coming back in because wow. I knew that the cows weren't there. I knew what to say to him. I knew <sighs> what that was going to do. And I told him what I wanted him to do. And man, yeah. he, he did to see think- an animal do it more than once or to know he's doing it more than once. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're on cloud nine man. you're oh, way yeah. up here. I, yeah. To, to, same your point, animal. <laughs> to your point, you, you, you were, communicating back and forth with this animal that may seem so foreign to us, you know, and just, you were actually making things happen and you giving it orders and just like that interaction is just priceless. I I think you actually had one more audible to do there though. I think you had the opportunity to up the game just with an insistent buzz followed by an assembly where Mm -hmm. you're basically saying, no, listen, not her. Yeah. Me. 
because that that buzz, that selfish buzz is basically an adjective. It's basically, you know, hey, listen to me because I want this, you know. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you could have actually tried to take a little bit more of a commanding role. And it might have actually led to a a little cow fight, man. When you see, and I don't know if you guys have seen that, where two cows raise up and start doing this thing. Cows fight for dominance, too. Definitely. They're in the pecking order. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, that's just something to put in that hat for next time. Well, but that's, that's a a, a perfect example of understanding that language. Right. I didn't think of that. Right. I I would have, you know, that, that buzz was coming out, you know, days later, right. Uh, Contact buzz, estrus buzz, whatever we call that, that, you know, insistent buzz. I didn't use that for days. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, the the roundups and the assembly mew and that talk it was working so it was yeah. like for me it was like okay i'm you know let's put in that thermometer so i know the temperature and and i'm not going to change what's working that round absolutely man uh, so it was i mean that was that like i said it'll put you on cloud nine but you still got to stay really focused but again being the caller well, you don't awesome. have that pressure you do not have the pressure and if your eyes are open and your mind is open your ears are open you're you're learning so, so much, yeah. right? But you got to go in knowing your weak points. Um, so I called, we had a, we had kind of a rag four um, that wanted to, he played all day, man. He talked and he moved around, he talked and moved around. And this was very, very, very interesting to me. And this actually happened before this bull. And I saw this herd change over the course of these weeks that we were there. And, uh, that one that one sucked he was broadside for me man i was just pinned down but he was 70 yards which for me a 70 yard shot on a broadside animal i'm taking it i know people will go oh gosh i can't believe you said that i i my archery ability i have no i have no issue with that type of shot on that size of animal right i would take it on a deer to be honest and then that's just proficiency with my weapon um somebody wants to talk to me about it you know message me but we no, but this. I mean, you just mentioned you got to understand your weaknesses, but you also understand your strengths, your strengths very yeah. well. That's one and, of mine. And that's, yeah, and that's where sure. you got to play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and, one of mine too, buddy. You get me within 80 yards of an animal, it's dead. Dead. serious trouble. As yeah, well as dead. understanding the body language of that animal, how relaxed right. they are, what oh. they're doing, unaware. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. we're, you know, we're in this, again, we're in Quakies, right? And we, we come down, this bull's, he's just talking and talking and talking. He's moving around and there's three, nobody could see it. So there's three finger ridges coming off of a crescent moon ridge, right? The easiest way. And as these ridges come down off the crescent moon, the the tips of them, um, they get closer and closer together. So we work these three ridges and I'm like, man, he's over there. So we head over and in this, in this bottom, it's kind of sparse, right? You'll have, you know, a little scrub oak here, a little scrub oak there. And they're probably seven to eight foot tall. So Brandon's moving around. He's, he's basically going from my six to my one o'clock because the wind told us to, and this bull is, you know, basically at 1230 in that picture. So he's coming around, he's coming around and I can no longer see Brandon. He's in the thick and I'm calling and I'm like, okay, let me move in a little bit. I can't really see up here. Well, as I'm moving in, I see this bull and he's looking down. And I'm, I'm pinned at this point. I mean, I can't move a muscle. Right. And I'm like, man, I hope Brandon. So I, I get my range finder out. And I'm like, 
Oh, 70, <laughs> he's 70 yards, right? The last time I saw Brandon, he's 30, 40 yards. I'm like, man, if he could see him, he's going to get a distance. shot. This bull turns broadside to me and just starts chuckling, right? And this is a little rag four. He's probably two and a half years old. And he's just chuckling, right? He's, I mean, just broadside, 70 yards. I can't move. I cannot move. And we played back and forth for about six or seven minutes. And he didn't see anything come out of them, you know, out of the Quakies. So he just decided I'm turning around and I'm walking away. Brandon never saw him. So you didn't have your bow? Mm-hmm. You did. I couldn't so, do a thing. I was pinned. So, well, why didn't you wide draw? Wide open. Why I was wide open. I was I, in a I, wide open. That's okay. Why didn't you draw? <laughs> well, one, one, because I didn't know where my shooter was. Uh-huh. I didn't okay. know if my shooter had opportunity, if he was seeing the same thing I was seeing um, or what the deal was. I had no idea because I didn't have line of sight of my shooter. Right. Right. So by and the you time did say 70 yards, right? Yeah. 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 So by the time I realized that Brandon couldn't, he didn't have a shot. That bull was turned around and he was walking away. Yeah. And he didn't bust out. Um, so I said there was something that in- interesting that happened. So it was, it was, it was a trip, man. And, and this is just a broader, you know, kind of jumping way ahead of this, but as season progressed, I watched this herd grow, but then I watched the dominance start to really come into the picture, right? Where we started off with this rag four, then we got the six by five and then a larger five. And then we have the six and then me and my wife are, are coming across when she's there and there is a freaking Nissan pickup with antlers driving across <laughs> the flat. And it was Ew. just like, a super duty, dude, look at the size of this elk. <laughs> that elk ruined my season <laughs> <laughs> because once you see an elk like that yeah. and you're, you're in these scenarios and you're doing good, we'll say right yeah. with your calling, you, for me, the only thing I could do was pursue that elk. Yeah. And that SOB beat me time and time and time again to the point where I'm walking away in the evening and I'm laughing and I'm like, this dude is just that much better. But yeah. there's a reason that that dude was the size of a Nissan pickup. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, I mean, they don't was... get that. They don't get that big being stupid, man. Mm-hmm. So, but, well, then they've got a lot of help around them too. And, and what was the date of that? of that incident there in, in the, which hunt. one, uh, that when you, when you came across that big, truck, that big bull, Nissan elk bull, Oh, that was probably my wife's third day. I think she got there on the 10th or 11th. Uh-huh. So right around the 13th or 14th. Yeah. So, Nissan so this bull. bull's already been called at, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's not no. on his first rodeo. Well, How? yeah, well, he's been called at years previous. This area oh, sure. that we're hunting, yeah, right. there is yeah. no, well, the muzzleloader guys came in, but those yeah. guys aren't calling. They're sitting water and, you know, right. um, so the, the calling was going on was was me. Well, you shouldn't have, <laughs> shouldn't have mentioned those, but that's a whole other rabbit hole too. That muzzleloader thing. So we're going yeah. to get. Uh, maybe you need to invite uh, us on your show for that discussion, dude. Because uh, yeah, I'm not. We won't even. We won't even go there on this one because I don't yeah. want to upset your listeners. Because I saw some <laughs> stuff that that infuriated me. Well, absolutely I, infuriated. I, I'll me. just put it this way though: is that. Any a situation like that that endangers lives is a situation that shouldn't happen. Period. End of discussion. Oh, and the state should take that into consideration. Absolutely. And we as hunters need to 
uh, notify somebody within that group that makes the laws and the and the regulations. Oh, it, it, it's going to be a big conversation, but oh, yeah. uh, I, I and I think platforms need to be, and and it's not about muzzleloader hating or, or no, no, no. you know no. it has nothing to do with it. it has to do with safety. ensuring the safety of people out in the in the yeah, woods yeah, is all yeah, it yeah. is. So so, so I, I said something was interesting, and Joe, I'd love to hear what you know your input on this because this right. was this was ahead, something man. that I that I couldn't prepare for right I never heard of it I never I've never experienced it so as I watched the dominance take over right you know the the larger bulls or the more dominant bulls I shouldn't say larger but more dominant bulls pushing these smaller bulls out right you think you create this satellite situation right well as the cows started to gather and we got more cows what ended up happening and this is one of the things that made the season difficult is that we didn't we never saw a situation where we had sats okay what we had was what i called a micro herd so we would have we have this dominant bull and he's holding the majority of the cows 12 14 15 cows well then i have this rag four that got pushed off of what started off as eight or nine cows now he's holding a cow or two and then i have this five over here and he's holding three or four cows right and man it, it made the situation we won't we, we'll talk about younger age class bulls and their fear factor, if you will, of losing those cows and yep. how that plays in a scenario. But it was very interesting because it's like, OK, let's get in here and let's, you know, lost cow, lost calf and, and let's play some sats. Well, then you realize these aren't Damn. satellite bulls. They're holding cows yeah. and they are not running in as we are taught right or or the information that we're consuming is telling more like they're comfortable with what they got and they're good with that well they're gonna hold what they got right there it is right they're gonna shut up the threat of losing those cows and 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 man this is this is experience from this year the threat of losing those cows even going to check a lost cow yeah they they would not they will not unless you get into their house and they can see they won't and anything is going to take those those boys and they're going to grab those two three four cows and they're out of country and i watched it happen three four five times and yeah. what was i mean were were they keeping proximity uh, in other words were were those micro groups still staying within so much distance yeah. of, of the mature right yeah, yeah yeah it was it was it was something to something to behold and it was just you're almost confused when you see something like that right because you're like sure I was, my Joe said that the bulls were going to come running in because they're in satellites smaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think a lot of our, our, what we think is because we're around big herds like that, you know, and we've come accustomed to seeing, you know, 300 head elk in a herd, you know, well, not, which, not. You, which you just don't have that in a lot of the places like where we hunted this year. <laughs> Maybe exactly. like you see one or two cow at a time, you know? Exactly. Um, so it was just, it was different. And I get exactly what you're saying. I've been on ranches though that are different, uh, guy in, in, in me bugle, I cow called a couple of times and get a little response. And as soon as I hit him back with a bugle and I really didn't know what I was saying, but as soon as I hit him back with a bugle, nothing, I mean, absolutely nothing. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the 
very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And I'm like, man, I walk, you know, two or three miles. We come back, get right back to where we started, and I cow call just below us again. And I'm like, well, man, I'm... We walked right through there. I know we didn't walk over. <laughs> so I didn't say anything else. I just cow called again and one more time. So we just started easing down, easing down. And he's standing there with eight cows, right? But he don't want to say a word when I'm bugling because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he don't want me coming down there and stealing his, his stealing his ladies, man. Yep. So learned a ton about mm-hmm. that. And I still didn't really know what I was saying at that time, right? But I did know that they will shut up if they've got a few cows with them because they don't want those other bulls coming in there and stealing them from. And, and then, like I said, I watched the dominance factor, right? So they already lost cows. Yeah. So whatever he has, somehow he found, they came He's across, yeah. right? He was good with it. And the, and one evening, we had we the cows were feeding down and we're like, oh, here it goes, right? We're in this, there's a little wash. I told Brandon, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to just hang back. I'm going to let you go handle this. There's no reason for me to do anything. Just get in there. They're coming down. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, you know, Brandon's like, well, okay, if I do this and I see a bull and you got to do this. And I'm like, dude, just effing go. What is it? <laughs> hand signals. Get down the drainage. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because they fed down, right? And, and the freaking lead cow, man, dream killer. And they, they're feeding down. They, they kind of come up and over and uh, they, they disappear. We never see a bull. And I said, well, I know there was a bull there. We heard him, man. What happened? So I was like, well, let's see. Right. I hit him with a real light punky locate away from his area. Just, real, I mean, just, you know, a little punk bull and <laughs> nothing. 
And just, just beyond us, there's this saddle where we come around and what are they doing? He grabbed, he heard that locate. He's already lost cows, right? He's hightailing. He's pushing. I mean, just pushing his cows with vigor. Like we're out of here. And they beeline it, man, half mile up and, and hop on the private. And he just never, he, I mean, he's just, he's poking them all in the rear, you know, get out of here. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, the lightest, punkiest butte locate that I could throw out there. And this dude was, he was out of country. He didn't want to broadcast. Mm-mm. No, he, he just, just wanted, wanted something like just in the near vicinity. Yeah, He was like, get out of here. Do you yeah. think, and a question for that, you know, for, for, for you guys is, you think it's a way of saying, hey, just trying to round up what's near to me. I don't want to just uh, give too much attention to the big guys out there, you know, to come over and try to stake some of my stuff. Just trying to round quietly. I, I don't understand what you're saying. So you know how he's talking about you've got a big herd bull right. with a ton of cows, and then you have these other that, you know, we would think they are satellites, but they're not really satellites. They're just happy with a small group of cows, right? Right. So if they, if they hear something and they want to round everything up, they, their bugle to round everything up or just kind of to push people to push his, their cows away. It's probably more silent to what he's talking about. Meaning I don't want to be too loud because I don't want to bring too much attention to the little herd I have. I'm happy with this. I don't want any others coming in trying to mess with me. If I'm too loud, they're not even throwing up roundups. Those guys, they're They're just staying silent and they're just hooking up. And, and, and the reason for that is, is that they don't have anything really to round up. And so they're, you know, they have two cows with them. It's not like they're moving through trees with 20 cows and have to, right. you know, so their volume is low. They're oh, trying to right. keep concealed and, and, yeah. and not bring too much attention. Well, yeah. because as soon as he does, and it's not going to matter because as soon as those pheromones, if one of those cows come in heat and those pheromones hit the air, that big boy is coming and taking them no matter what. So he's just trying to keep them away from there. Plus those cows are not, I mean, they are still herd related. That's why I asked about the proximity. They don't really want to get that far away from the rest of them. But at the same time, sometimes they're happy being away um, a little bit so that they don't have to be harassed by a bull that's checking them all the time. You know, so they might be happy with that or they have a calf with them because I saw a lot of this. I saw a lot of cows with calves with one bull, you know, a small immature bull that had them like that. So that that uh, that that was something that that I saw happening with that. But to but to answer, you know, his question with that, your options in that situation um, are Number one, to be something that that bull's not worried about and that can attract the other cows over there to you. And so really, you know, still assembly muse or even some uh, some breeding sounds possibly. But I don't even know that breeding sounds would help you because, you know, he's like he doesn't want to be part of that. You know what I mean? He's already got it. How far was he from you, guy? Well. I'm assuming that he was about 80 yards, 90 yards, right? But he's over, he's over, he's, he's up over one of those finger ridges coming down off of that crescent ridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and did you feel like it? I'm sorry, Joe, go ahead. The the only option you have is to use, uh, and I would have gone with the lost calf, man, because 
you know, that's something that doesn't threaten him. That's something that could pull a cow. That's something where he thinks he's actually getting something else in, in the deal as well. So that's probably where I would have gone with it is the long calf, the lost calf. But how, how, open, how open country was it? Gary, I mean, we all still in the Quakies. Yeah, we're in the Quakies, but when you're in that, so when you come off of those ridges and you're in that bottom, I mean, it's real sparse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was. So could he have seen difficult. you coming if you just started bugling and going right at him? It, well, the problem wasn't him. It was his cows. Mm-hmm. So as we're, as we're, you know, approaching on this ridge that's, that's facing us, I had, mm-hmm. you know, four or five cows and a couple calves mm-hmm. and man, the, the lead cow, Mm-hmm. caught brandon i mean brandon barely moved gotcha. and she stood i kid you not she she, <laughs> she had us frozen for about 20 minutes yeah. and so they already had you pinned oh man and yeah. and brandon he started literally he started trembling and, and i'm sitting there and i'm kind of covered <laughs> and i'm laughing at him right i'm like don't move don't yeah. move. 20 minutes is an eternity it man. is oh man. yeah man. I, I just Holy i just crap. harken back i just harken back to um um an episode I listened with Paul and uh, it's a similar situation, man. And he just went to bugling and he was like, I don't give a damn how many of them cows we run off. He went to bugling and just bugled his way right to the bull. Right. Well, and I mean, that's like last ditch effort. I think if, you know, if it's last day or something like that, what do you got to lose? But you guys have plenty of days there. Y'all, you sure as heck didn't want to blow the herd out. Uh, For me, I think, you know, last ditch effort, maybe you just start, sounding off go right at him but man you know you had plenty of days knew where they were going to be i mean you did the right thing by not by not pushing your luck yeah and what you got to understand too is we're in a quarter within a quarter mile of private right so so the fear was anything we do if we drive them to private (laughs) yeah it's unlikely i stayed there that they're not going to come back right that private had no one there i mean a beautiful oh man a beautiful beautiful house on that private Uh but there was nothing going on in that how big was the private four the the bottom piece was 464 acres yeah you know who owned they're not going to they're not going to exist long on there though they're really i mean they're, they're yeah, swallowed, but yeah. they're, they're not going to stay there that long. They yeah. can't, they can't on 400 acres, man. They're going to move off, but well, yeah, that's what, that, that's what I, I would have done, man, is I would have tried the, probably the least threatening and the most inviting for that, for that other young bull. And that would have been, you know, a lost calf, you know, and, and, and you got to, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you just got to try the things. And the only other option that you have is to sound like a big friggin' nasty displaying bull too, that is going to start pulling the cows to you where they're like, you know, they're getting hooked and they're like, well, forget you. We're not staying with you. And they peel off to go to that bigger bull. That is something else that is a possibility as well. Yeah. Well, at that point we, you know, he hadn't hooked, we hadn't got eyes on him and those cows, like I said, they were looking at us. Sure. Uh, Sure. So when they they had you pinned, yeah, when I finally, you know, when I finally threw the little punky locate, that's when, you know, they weren't looking. They had kind of went up into the top, into the into the quakies on the top yeah. of that that ridge that was facing us. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. like, okay, he's been answering this locate, you know, for a while. Let's let's hit him with it again. Mission yeah. for next year, man, maybe to find out who owns that four hundred acres and see if you can pay a little trespass. For I you. could I could <laughs> tell your wheels were turning on oh, that yeah. side <laughs> off the question, man. I, yeah, I was I like, Betos is just eating up on the inside. It just no. I, I actually <laughs> met I met a gentleman that was hunting bear on the property and it was a friend of his property. And I'm like, oh, cool. you know, and, and what you're talking, I'm, I'm 
18, 19 days in. I'm like, man, I'd love to hunt on there. You know, what would do charge me? And he's like, hey, as soon as it's leased to an outfitter, that all bets are off, right? You're not yeah, getting on yeah. the property for a trespass. Yeah. Which is understandable. I don't want to mess anybody's game up. But I did. No, I did can, ask you. You can reach out to him now. Yeah. I did you ask you and was like, hey, <laughs> how you get on there? Guy, okay, uh, this is day what on, on the hunt? Well, that this, this, what we're talking about, this is probably day three ish. Oh, Brandon wow. was still there. So Brandon oh. was there for five days. Um, so it's still early, right? Yeah. There's no, there's no, real, yeah. the, the only real pressure was trying to get Brandon a bull before his, before his five days was up. His but outside department. of that, I had no pressure. Okay. I was just chilling. I was content with being the caller and taking mm -hmm. some education um, and just having fun with calling and, 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 you know, impressing, impressing myself and impressing Brandon, yeah. um, was, was all I really cared about at that point, you know, yeah. for um, you at, at day 24 to have looked up in the sky and said that, you know what, I'm good. You, you really had to have felt successful. At fulfilled. That point. Yeah. Fulfilled. That, that's a weird thing, right, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> not really not not really because i've been there man it, it, it was so every day right every day silent or i verbalize it and it's thank you for the ability and thank yeah. you for the opportunity right. every single evening no doubt and i did that that night and i i was reflecting to a point too right and i almost the days that i was frustrated i almost felt selfish that night I, I was like man how selfish is how selfish is it of me to have this opportunity to have this ability to to have these interactions <coughs> to have all this knowledge that i'm gaining about this pursuit but then look the gift horse in the mouth and be frustrated and feel sorry for myself at these points in the game because essentially mm -hmm. we do right we feel sorry for mm -hmm. <laughs> right that's that's what you do right so you so it was like this realization, like this was a phenomenal season. Like for sure, buddy. Thank you. Right. Thank yeah. that. And and honestly, like I said, I woke up and I'm getting dressed and I was like, man, I'm good. Yeah. I am, you know, I'm good. This was amazing. And I'm not going to look the gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. I got, and in my opinion, I got five, six years advanced on that hunt. Yeah. And I, I couldn't take that for granted. Nah, um, 100 and i was there was and i'm not gonna bs there was a little bit of turmoil on the drive right you get in an hour hour nine and you're like man that was probably foolish right it's about to fire off we're in that time frame and i'm driving i'm driving right and i was like let me look and see what the boys are doing on ig and i'm following you guys and michael yeah. and seeing how everybody's doing and batiste is on he's like yeah this is it's about to go off these are this is the day <laughs> here it is right here the, tomorrow's the first day it's gonna be going off blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and i'm like yeah. I'm, I'm no it was eight hours i was eight hours in the drive Right. And I'm like, man, it's only eight hours back. Uh, yeah, I can turn this around and give I can me turn a snack and, and I'll be right only, here. Only eight hours. Yeah. But I, I did that not this year. Last year I did it. I I flew the wife into Montrose. Right. Picked her up, hunted with her for six or seven days, drove her home, stayed home a couple of days, and I drove right back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't. Uh, it's elk season, man. I don't care. And that the drive this year was six hours shorter than the drive I was making last year. So I was 12 hours this year. The drive last year, that was 18 hours. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a hike. 
And it was yeah, man. Yeah. So so twelve <laughs> hours is man. That's nothing. That's that's a little overtime at work. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I love about Colorado, man. Is you hunt all month. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I think I think you know to Joe's question is the growth, the internal growth as a hunter to to be able to fulfill the soul with you know what you take as valuable from the mountain. Uh, regardless of a kill, yeah. no, I, I think, I think, and, and the maturity to be able to, to, to make that decision, knowing that you could still stay longer, um, and feeling okay with that. It's yeah. just a lot, man. It's, it's, it's my hat's off. You have to feel like it's a win, man. I mean, there's exactly. a point where yeah. you go, this is a win. And even though part of you, because all of us are tied into, especially me. Uh, and out of this group, I'm the one that's like, I, I want to put meat in my freezer, you know, and I've always been that, uh, been that guy, that one that, you know, uh, you, you don't carry a tag in your pocket because you don't plan on punching it. Right. right so, right. I mean, they don't, they don't have a scoreboard in a game because people don't want to win. And, and I'm just that competitive on that. Yeah. But but in my age and in my time and what I've got to see, like on our hunt, what I got to see these guys do, what I got to see Gilbert do, what I got to see Chav do in just his journey just to get in into the woods, man. Ooh. And, you know, the the pleasure I got to see out of out of Rob and, you know, it, it, there was so much cool stuff that. I got to observe. I got to enjoy. Uh, it's it's hard to describe. It's it's almost like you know when you're when you're watching your kids come of age and stuff like that. I mean, it's not the same yeah. as that. But yeah. these are people that I've worked with and people that I've watched grow and people that I know that have purpose and challenges. And, and just mental. like you did, do you came there and just the difference in in your realizations, your skill sets, you know, the, your aha moments that you had and you were like, and they, they're real, they work, man. You had confirmation and you had incredible encounters where, you know, and you counted coup basically on animals. Yeah. You took an animal there in those where, first where five you, days when you had Brandon, you took an animal, yeah. you know, yeah, and where you, where you 100% feel like you're five to seven years ahead advance now. So when you hit the woods next year, Katie bar the door, brother. Well, well here. Okay. Hold on. Let me qualify this. Cause there was days I, and I told my wife, I talked to her and I'm like, I'm ready to chuck this bow off the next freaking cliff. Look, <laughs> 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 bow hunt's hard. I'm telling you, it's so hard that yeah. makes it great. Joe and I had talked about this, right. And, and, and I really want to touch on it here. And, and this kind of breaks away from the story to a point, right? But we don't stress, it, it, it is, but it isn't stressed enough, the importance of setup, but understanding the setup in various terrain. Absolutely. Oh, Quakies, I, I pulled out of the Quakies for a day, right? And I went up to the high country and I, I hiked in that sucker and I was intent. Right. And I think I was about a mile and a half, two miles in the high country and I got in a sign and I'm like, Oh, cool. Here we go. Then I look and man, there's who, I mean, I wish I had a deer tag, yeah. giant bucks, three yeah. giant bucks. And I'm like, Ooh, you know, like, Ooh, chills. Right. And I'm back there. <laughs> but all I could think about was the elk down in the quakies because tank had already, you know, the Nissan, he had already showed himself. 
But I was so frustrated. It was like, okay, I got to get out of these quakies because I I can't, I can't seem to get the setup right in the quakies. And I mean, you're talking, and if folks don't know, you're talking scrub, right? I mean, this stuff is tight. You may have a window and and you you have this corridor where you think the elk is going to run down and you have a window, you know, a foot by 18 inches and you're going to thread the needle and you have two, maybe two shooting lanes. And you're trying to call this animal into a specific lane where you think he's going to go. But you realize that when this bull that is 700 pounds is coming in, he doesn't, you you don't even realize this till you see it. He doesn't have to take that lane. He's walk. I'm watching this bull. Yes. Gil. Oh yeah. He's coming through the quakies. And this dude is like a sound not making a peep and his antlers never touch a thing. And I'm like, oh, that's all I can do. Like, I'm, I'm not going to get a shot. I can see him coming. I have zero lane, zero lane. Bam. And this dude is coming through this tight, thick, nasty brush. Not touching the thing. I know, Who would have known? <laughs> yeah, and look, and, and there's no doubt if you had a rifle, you killed every one of them you saw. Oh, man. That's you know what I told saying? the wife. I said, if it was rifle season, we'd have killed yeah. 12 bulls. <laughs> I know. I, I, I know, buddy. That's, that's I, the disclaimer, man. That's every oh, bull hunter's disclaimer, man. Oh, man. 100%. I've been it out there with the rifle. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't tell you how many bulls Joe called in for me early in my career, my elk hunting career, where we just had something that was in the way, you know, it, it just, the setup was, we thought it was good, but the bull didn't catch the message that he needed to walk to the left instead of walk to the right. The right yep. You know what I mean? And I mean, everything has to line up and look, I think we've gotten better as elk hunters. We know now where to push ourselves, move ourselves, you know, get out in front. We got to draw. I mean, you know, the bull that I killed this year, if I don't draw, I'm watching him run away. You know what I mean? And, and look, RC drew, you know, he's like, I can't make that shot. It's just not in my wheelhouse, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I mean, five, eight years ago, I probably would have never even tried that, but we just have evolved because of the, like you said, because of your podcast, because of Joe's content that we've put out here on Elk Bros and, you know, Paul Medell's stuff. I mean, it's amazing how much better we are as elk hunters because of the few short years, I mean, you know, a couple of years now in this podcast deal, but be, just because of the of everything I've reviewed in our own podcast, I just feel like I'm so much more equipped now when we step in the elk woods, just like you. I mean, you like Joe said, you've counted cool on many of those animals. Uh, that you had this year, I even wish though I could have counted didn't... the coup on the setup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and look, man, I mean, he brings up a great point, man, and yeah. and that's something that we're going to continue to do shows on because. I, you know, you can be the greatest caller in the world, but if you don't know how to set up on these critters, then you, you're going to be frustrated a lot. And the setup is huge, and most people blow it in the setup. But the, the thing also I want to make sure that people understand out there is you work for 360 days for 30 seconds, sometimes of elation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for those moments, because I mean, you can go through a hunt. I had a good friend that just, uh, another guide that just did an incredible job and got a bull. And he says, I, I love it when, you know, an opportunity and luck come together. And my, my first response to him was, if you're trying, it ain't luck. You know, if you're working at it, it ain't luck. 
you know, because now if you're sitting there and you're sitting in a chair and you're at camp and something walked by and you shoot, that's luck. luck. You're not working at it. But if you're out there working at it and it happens, it's not luck. And, and we go out and we work and work and work, we hunt and we're hunting animals. One of the most incredible animals there is toughest, strongest, most majestic that is in their house that works every day to survive. survive. And so for us to get that window of 30 seconds of opportunity that happens in 14 days or five days or 20 days, that's the moment that you're living for. That's the moment you're staying focused for. That's the moment that, in in other words, we can feel frustration, but really, um, man, it's got to be, you know, we don't deserve, we don't earn that because those animals are doing what they are supposed to do. And for us to get that moment is something special. It is something that we really have to pit ourselves against all things, all elements, all in, you know, the intelligence and, and the, and the environment and other people. And, you know, there's so many things that if we want to layer it up, that could keep us from being successful. Um, but you can stay focused for that 30 second period and get it done. So, you know, um, real proud of you guy. And, and, and just a real thrill to hear about your hunt, man. Well, one comment to, 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 you know, what guy is saying about the resources, man. And it's just unbelievable today's day and age, the ability to, if you think about Joe, so how many, how many years has Elbros now been on air? Well, we're, on a weekly we're getting basis. ready to tap our third year in February. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, we're looking, we're looking at close to maybe slightly less 300 hours of content in the last three years. If you think about everybody that has listened to all the podcasts and the amount of information that has been shared it's a freaking master's degree, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so, you know, in, in, I say this because I feel like the student attending to this degree, right? Because for me, it has been a learning. Yes, no doubt. I'd learn a lot every, every time I go out there and spend 10 days in the mountains, but that's 10 days per year in the last five years. So yeah, you've got a month and a half, bro. Correct. (laughs) Correct. So, so, you know, pair that to now 300 hours with, you know, almost two hours a week of just grinding, understanding, listening, discussing, um, you know, philosophy, you know, philosophizing, philosophizing about elk and their behavior and all of that. And, uh, it just, it just, if you absorb that, it, it's a freaking master's degree. You yeah. come out of, you come out there way, way more prepared. Listen and that's what guy is, is talking about. Listen to where guy is after four years. Exactly. Yes. He, he knows more as uh, a hunter that's been out four there for four then. years than there's some people that have hunted for 10 years. 100%. And that's kind of where I'm going with that. It's just like, that's his point. That's what he's talking about. I mean, one it of, just. One it, of the things that, that I think is, is hugely important, right? As, as, as a consumptive user of this information, when I started it, right, I would jump around. 
Yeah. And, and, and one of the things I want the listeners to, to understand is, is if, if you just solely listen or get on the elk bros, right. And, and that's going to be your tutelage through your, your elk learning. Do not, do not skip one piece of that inverted pyramid. Yeah. Start where Joe tells you to start yeah. and go through the tip. Do great, not great skip info, God. one area because what happens is you leave a window of opportunity to fail yeah want it and joe talks about it all the time take out the failure points right and every time you think you're going to skip around because you know you don't you created a fail point for yourself in your game so in if you want to have my goal my goal is to have a batting average which i'm I'm, i have to kill a couple elk a year i i want to have a joe gillia batting average right that's that's the goal yeah in order for me to do that i have to close those windows or eliminate the fail points and the only way to do that is to consume every single word on every single line if you miss that point you, you there's an opportunity that you're going to miss because you are going to, you're going to miss that one. They are going to make you miss that one thing you skipped over every single time. And I don't, if it's not elk bros and it's someone else, and then that's what you're consuming and that's what you believe in. Don't jump around. If you get on row hunting resources, don't jump around point a to point B, just like the elk. Yeah. That's going to lead to way more success. And you know, I hunted with, the legend R.C. Knox this year. And when I talk about guys who have been guiding and killing elk, this cat's been doing it for a very long time. His number would make you blush, okay, when it comes to (laughs) elk taking. I mean, serious business. It's way up there in the hundreds of elk, okay? So when I got this cat on my shoulder, the pressure to perform is – all over you, right? You're wanting to call good. You're wanting to sound great. You know, you're wanting to put that bull in. It was my goal to call in one of my mentors, call him in a bull. Mission accomplished, right? We we made that happen. But listen, when I'm talking and talking to him about the elk and what we're hearing and what we're seeing, he's looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. He's like, oh, man, I did not know that that's what that meant. I just knew that we needed to do it like this because that's what we've been <laughs> doing work, yeah. forever, right? And, and hearing R.C. humble himself and say, well, I really didn't know what the language meant when you break it down in a Medell thing or a Chris Rowe thing or a Joe Gillia thing and not under, just not understand all what they say. The situation, he's hunted a million fold, right? He knew exactly where the elk were going to be, what they were saying in the situation. But knowing exactly what the language was, RC was like blown away. He was like, oh, my gosh. So for me, hunting with those guys, like you said, was a master's degree. But you got a Ph.D. following you every day, a doctor in elk, right? Mm. But yet he was able to learn Right. This guy's a 40 plus year vet. He was able to learn and understand even more about the habitat and about the language that they speak. And brother, when that guy, when a guy that's an assassin already, a legend that's been doing this a long time, you give him even more power and more. RC and I didn't want to leave. We were just feeling like it was getting rolling, you know, and, uh, you know, he he humbled himself to all of us and was like, look, man, I'm learning as I'm here. 
You know, it was so cool to watch, man. A guy that's got that kind of, uh, that kind of elk prowess who's been around and been on some of the best ranches in the world. This cat could actually learn something while we're in elk camp together. But, but and my, okay. my experience with Joe was completely the opposite. See, Joe came out one day to hunt with us and, um, so he's like, yeah, Luis, you go ahead and, and, and you lead. So when I first went to throw out my first cow call, I went back to my cat calling this. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure is real. I'm like, dang it. Yeah. And then I'm going to throw up your. <laughs> the thing is just like, I was like, whatever, man. It's just like <laughs> the, the pressure crumbled me. <laughs> you know, to, to Gil's point there, right? When Joe and I talked, I don't know if that was last week, week before, but and and I think that what you said lends itself to the level that that Joe and those guys are on is because they don't you you can't stop learning in this game. And that was one of the things that Joe told me. He was like, yeah, man, I learned so much, the, you know, the age class of the bulls. And we had the same experience yes. with with those younger, you know, less mature bulls and how they respond to things. And as soon as Joe said it, I was like, there it is. That's that's why that's why this dude has this batting average. Right. Is because all those years in the game and he's still taken away from it. You know, who the heck am I at at four years old to be frustrated? (laughs) Right. And and this dude is like, hey, I'm over here learning. You know, when you you stop learning season, this cat changed our season in one. Six or seven hour event okay he changed our whole season brother because we were in a totally different area and he just he saw something that he wanted to go look at because of his experience and you can't you can't put a price tag on that you can't you you myself i probably would have never done this he did it walked in the woods and called in a bull not even trying to and came back to the group and said Look, man, this is Kimosabi. Okay. When Kimosabi talks, he's like EF Hutton. When EF Hutton talks, we <laughs> listen. listen. Okay. He told me, he said, Bud, I'm going to tell you this, and you might think I'm crazy, but I think we're in the wrong spot. I said, I got to hear no more. Let's roll. You know, I have that kind of faith in that cat that when he says we need to go, we're going to go, you know. And I, I didn't, I didn't say boo about it. I had, we had buses parking around us man you know i'm like dude there's guys in greyhounds out here hunting elk you know what i mean i'm like i've never seen anything like it in my life and i said joe is it harder to get there he goes oh yeah i said i'm in let's go man you know (laughs) and and we checked 44 minutes it took us to break camp down and move two hours to go where joe said i think this is where, where we, we need, need to, to lay be. roots down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that we was, would have never done it had he not had the experience that he had. And we owe our season to Joe. That, that's one of the, and I got to say it, right? Because we're talking about the hunt. And and that was one of the things that, that Brandon Waddell, man, you want to talk about a cat that's phenomenal in picking out country. Yeah. I mean, that Brandon, Brandon can't, call that good he i mean he could you know he could scream a bugle and he can you know make some cow sounds sure but man you i gotta give him credit um that dude can pick out some country because he'd be like hey we need to be over here because the x y and z and i you know there's this water source here and da, da, da. and man the the importance of of taking all this stuff that we have and putting it together and really understanding it man and 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 
applying it actually applying it is is where it's going to come together and that's i don't i think the confidence i have walking away from this season even with some of the defeat i felt right is now i get to go back and reevaluate my approach and then go back in next year and i'll i'm stupid i'll probably be back in them quakies right because i can't i can't not go do it in that situation now and and be okay with it. So you it, can you know, win that. You can yeah, win that. Man, I'm, I believe 100. percent You can win that. Yeah. Oh, dude, you can win that. I didn't. I thought I was gonna win it. You know. Yeah. It's <laughs> no, just yeah. gonna take you a little and, refining. And actually, in that first five days, you have a bow in your hand and not just calling. You're taking a shot. It's over. It's yeah. Over. So I mean, yeah. you know, I did you have a bow in your hand when you were calling for him for yeah. Brandon? Yeah, I had it, but it wasn't. It wasn't priority. my intent, yeah. right? It yeah, wasn't it the priority. Be. It was like let's get let's get so, be a bull. So here. so one thing you got to learn is that team priority thing. That that <laughs> yeah, you're calling for somebody else, and and I did this with these guys, man. I mean, I, I would have you know two guys with me. I'm carrying my bow because it has happened way too many times that as the caller, you end up with the shot that the shooter can't see. See, and yeah. for us as a team. Putting an elk on the ground when there's six of us putting an elk on the ground is more important than, yeah, that's number one. We're going to, we're going to put that down there. And, you know, if I think they have a shot, then that's a whole different. And my goal is always to get them the shot. There's sometimes it just doesn't happen, man. And you got a bull bedded down five feet in front of you, man, that, that should be. I didn't, I didn't have a shot. If he he didn't have a shot, there was no, there was nothing that was going to get me unless I had a 800 grain arrow. I, oh, I think I remember was, seeing that IG video on yeah, that because it was I'll like, the thick, yeah, oh, dude, I, I saw that you couldn't, there wasn't a, a shooting window in that crap that, that was even going to so, lend itself to it. I, I, I think our, our listeners got tremendous content and value out of this. And, and guy, I, I, I want to thank you before we move on to the next part. I, I want to thank you so much for, for sharing this with us. It's always a pleasure dude, having you it. with us, man. So uh, that was killer, on. but I, I want you to help us out. And Chav, I, I Chav was going supposed to read this, but I'm going to shorten this up real quick because uh, I, I want us to get into this. And this came from Chris Vogel. This is our Elk Rose mailbox out of Atlanta. The ATL Georgia. baby. Yeah. Oh, and, he said, my question is in regards to physical and mental prep. A 14-day hunt can be a grind, and one needs to be able to dig deep at time. He says, the last few years, I've made my overall health a priority, and I'm in decent shape. And he talks about the things that he does for that um, and that he works on his orientation skills and everything like that because he likes to get off trail. What he wants to – his question is, so I would like to hear your thoughts on the importance of finding your limits and pushing them in general to get prepared for that hunt. That's his – that's what he's asking out of this group. And, I'd like and, to know how and, old he is first. Uh, I have no idea, man, but – Age don't have nothing to do with that yeah. question. So, so, Guy, take it, man. <laughs> well, it, it does in certain aspects, I promise you, because <laughs> to, to know how old he is and how much he can push himself. Well, what he's saying is what are, your, what are your thoughts on the importance of finding your limits and pushing them in general? Gotcha. So, you know, I mean, that's all relative, right? Limits are, are relative, right? Chav's yeah. limit. Luis Limit, all of us have a little. All relative to, to the so guy, Go ahead and take that, man. All right. So so first off, right, and, and I got to address this, and it's going to sound a bit cliche, but but this is a perceived limit, right? It's, it's absolutely perceived because we can go 
a lot farther than the sissy that starts talking. Um, a period. I don't care who it is. You got more. Yeah. Um, you just gonna have to dig a little bit deeper. And and I'm talking. You know, two guys sitting right right here. You know, Chav and and Joe. I mean, you guys will attest to that. Chav especially, right? Um, with that running. So I don't look for that as much in the off season, but mentally I'm preparing for that during the off season. So when I am in season, it's not even a question, right? I have, I have a goal and no matter what that wall is fake brick or not, right. I'm going through it. Um, and, and I don't, you know, last year I set out to run, I, I wanted to run to this saddle that I hunt at. Right. And it was, it's a heck of a run and I ain't a small dude. Right. So, I mean, talking, you know, 17 miles up this, up this mountain and, uh, and I was on it, right. I was on it and it was pushing me and, and I'm pushing these limits. And then I had, you know, a pinch nerve issue and it kind of threw me off the rail. That was that was a goal for season and it was a goal to help me push, but I always find that just getting out there with the, with the mindset of why am I out here? I'm out here to achieve this and that's where I'm going to push it. You know, um, is there, there's value in my head of, of carrying that mindset and carrying that work ethic through the year and doing things that challenge me, but there's nothing like being on the mountain and just setting in and, and just going after it. And really realizing that goal, right? That that goal that that's going to drive me harder than me just wanting to do something in the off season. I want to arrow this bull and whatever it takes to arrow that bull. I'm, I'm not going to duplicate that in the off season. I can't. I love the mindset of of you know setting out to do something and and achieving throughout the year. Uh, I think it's a great practice. I did that 75 hard thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that was. That was just to see if I could do it, just to see if I could push myself far enough. But for me, it's on the mountain, man. If I'm chasing yeah. elk, that's that's my that's my my yeah. limit. That's my goal. Me too. Yep. That's where it is, and that's what I'm getting after. And mm-hmm. and come you know hell or high water, I'm pushing it no matter what it takes. There. Hey, Chav, I, I want to hear you, bud, on this. Your thoughts on the importance of finding limits and pushing them in general. Yeah. Is in regards to physical and mental prep for a, a, a big hunt, a long hunt, grinding. Hunt. Well, I know, I, well, I know a lot of it's really mental, you know, what you can, what you can accomplish. I know when, uh, back in the old college days, uh, you know, we put in about a hundred miles a week and, uh, I know, uh, our coach would always say, if you can, if you can run 10 miles, you can easily run 20 if you had to. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's different for everybody. You know, my situation is different, you know, uh, just walking a mile is a challenge sometimes. So, uh, I have to try and put in some more time to get some cardio in, in my little gym. And, you know, we were talking about earlier, uh, during the conversation that, uh, you know, we, uh, work out 350 days for a 10 day hunt. You know, and, uh, you know, whenever I go to my little gym and watch Netflix for <laughs> three or six hours a day, I'm looking, I'm already looking for next September, Yeah. you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stressing my body to be ready to prepare myself mentally for whatever it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's different for everybody. You know, Gilbert's got a different challenge than I have. And, you know, you have a different challenge. Oh, 
we're both getting up in age now, so it's it's a little bit more difficult than it's been. Uh, Luis is still a youngster, and and Manano, well, Manano doesn't want to train. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> he's, he's going anomaly. on the yeah, he's still going on the same battery he was born with. You know, he hasn't changed it. <laughs> you know, I've changed my battery about ten times. Manano's the Tom Brady of elk hunting, dude. I'm serious. <laughs> Father Tom's never catching up with that yeah. kid. <laughs> so, so it, it's different. You know, it's really different. You know, uh, but I, I like the fact that. Uh, uh, Chris Vogel uh, likes to uh, uh, what what's, I forget what the term is now. People use when they just go cross country and, and not stay on the trails. Oh, bushwhack, bushwhack, bushwhack. yeah. Because uh, you know the terrain's different. You know, there's rocks in the way, there's logs in the way. <laughs> it ain't flat ground. It's not flat ground. So lots you know, of lava. I would say you know work on doing a lot of that before you get up in the mountains because it's, it's a lot different. You know when we first the first place we've hunted in New Mexico, uh, you know, you got that volcanic rock and almost every step is, it can be a, a dangerous yeah, a situation, step. Yeah. especially if you're looking up, you know, looking around for help. So, uh, you know, mentally it's, it's, as, it's really, you can go where you want to go. You just gotta, you just gotta keep grinding. You know, we use that word a lot, you know, you just gotta grind. Uh, but it's a, it's a year on preparation for me, for sure. And I know for a lot of people, it's, it's the same thing, you know, yeah. I don't know if I answered the question or not, but, uh, you know, I'm no, already it, looking forward to September. And, and one of the things I wanted, uh, Mr. Vogel to understand too, is that in a 14 day hunt, <clears throat> there's going to come some times where, you know, you, you might want to. And I know my, my body will tell me, man, it's time to take a half a day, right? And either uh, regroup with your map studies I and mean, it's not working out, whatever it may be, take a half a day and figure things out, you know, and uh, and get your ailments or whatever that may be bothering you, get yourself an opportunity where, you know, you can get some good rest. Because like Guy said, I mean, we're up 3.30 in the morning, not going to bed till 10.30, 11 at night. And if you were like me, I wasn't going to bed till midnight because I was doing a lot of more, a lot more map study in the area that I was in trying to figure out easier ways to get in there on these critters, right? Because, I mean, the country we were in was huge, you know? So, uh, for me, man, it's about being patient and and uh, and doing the work before you get there. The physical part is uh, is very taxing, but the mental part's even harder for me. When I when I know I can go do something, there is nothing going to stop me. When RC Knox and I found those found out that we were going to be able to get to those bulls where we needed to go. It was like, all right, man, we're just going to do this. We're going to have to start out a little earlier. We're going to have to, you know, make the decision that we're going to the top no matter what. But we found an opportunity to get halfway there before we ever had to start from the bottom, which was a game changer for us, right? Um, so for me, starting out every year, man, it's it's about preparing your mind is the mind over matter because your body's going to be able to hack it. If you, you know, sounds like Mr. Vogel's putting the work in on the physical side. So his body's not going to let him down there. It's the mental stuff that will, that will grind you to a screeching halt, you know, that will take its toll on you because 
the elk are throwing you curveball after curveball, or the terrain's throwing you curveball after curveball. And it's really the preparation you put into understanding that terrain when you get there that will help you on the physical side as well. And and Chris, I I, I would just tell you, man, that life is ten percent what happens to us and ninety percent how we take it. So we can we can take any situation and make it more stressful or we can uh, we can slow down and look at it in a different way. And I, and that's one thing that I tell you on a hunt is to realize and think about, like, like Guy said, there's sometimes, man, you just got to look up and thank the Lord for the opportunity yeah. and, and understand what it would be like at that time if you were not able to do that. And I think that's, you know, Chav and I always talk to our kids about uh, sometimes it's a gift when you don't have anything for a little while because you realize what you had. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, you see what Chav's had to go through there, man. And, and, you know, he wants to be running through those woods with every one of us and, and having to make, you know, um, lemonade out of lemons. I mean, that's his mentality. He finds a way to be successful. And, and that's our mentality. That's my mentality with them is, is I know that there's ways that we can be successful. So you, you, I think throughout the year, you got to find those things that are, that are becoming stress in your life and find other ways to get around them and, and work on problem solving and work on turning things around into a positive rather than a negative. I think when you're able to do that, when you're able to look at things in a positive light, you're able to control your own destiny. You're able to control, if anything, really enjoy things a whole lot more. Uh, you know, we can all look at stuff in our life and we can justify how bad it feels so that we can leave it, not do it, go to something else. But when you're out there in those woods, man, for those 14 days, that, that if you want to do what you want that you're out there for, that's not your option. You don't get to dump on it, man. So, you know, prepare yourself during the year, find those difficult things and find a way around them. Look at things in a more positive light. Look at the things around you more in life as a gift instead of a difficulty. And you do that, you can do anything, man. You can put one foot in front of the other. Things that happen, sometimes you just say it is what it is and you find the next step and you, and you get a win. Find the small wins and make them into the big wins. So it's important, you know, another thing that he mentions here, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working on my orientation skills with a map and a compass. Awesome, man. Everybody needs to learn how to use a compass, but there are a whole lot more easier Easy things ways. out there to yeah. use nowadays than just a topo map and a compass, brother. Please check out Onyx or base maps and fat maps as well. Those things will help you tremendously understand the terrain that you're going to transverse before you ever get there. And uh, no doubt, definitely want to have that topo map and your compass in your backpack. But man, Doing the e-scouting part and everything, using base maps or Onyx and, and the fat maps deal, that's huge. It's a huge advantage to get to know that area before you ever get there. Man, that that feature they have on base maps, and, and this I've had it for a couple of years, the first year that I really used it, but that Asmus that they have on there, yeah. have you used that? Absolutely. Oh, so man. cool, man. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, now you there, know where man. the bull's at. You can, uh, a, you can pull it up, set the point. Put, oh man, he's 250. We, you know, That's there he such is. Such a cool feature. Really cool. I was just going to mention with regards to, because, you know, it's, it's easy to say, hey, it's just, it's not just 
pushing the limits physically, it's just the mind, right? <laughs> and we talk about the mind and the mind and it's just, what exactly are we talking about? Because it's not only mental strength, the, mental endurance, man. Right. It's yeah, not you're only hurting, being able to keep pushing. It's not only the belief or the faith that you have into knowing that you can do something. I think that's extremely important and necessary. But I think there's another aspect that gets very overlooked. And it's the aspect of, okay, discipline and organization, right? If, if you have goals that are important to you and, and you set yourself goals, near, middle, long-term goals, and you're disciplined to chase those goals and reach them, then you're in a different level to where that discipline is going to help you believe and help you achieve what you're here, putting, here, setting yourself out to do. Uh, because, look, it's not like you're going to get to – five days before the hunt and say, well, now I have to mentally prepare for the hunt. It ain't going to work over. It doesn't matter if you have as much belief or as much faith, it ain't going to work. If you didn't put the work in before you've went disciplined about it, you didn't really want it that hard. If you want it that hard, you have to start doing the work from, from, from the get go. Go ahead. Guy. That's an important point, right? Is, 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 how bad you want it and understanding that as you start to get as, as you start to abuse yourself mentally, right. <laughs> is remembering how, how bad you wanted it through 20 some odd days. You want to quit at least five of those days. <laughs> sure. Right. Sure. It, I wanted to quit. I, sure. I, I wanted to just, okay, let's go back to camp. I just, I just want to be done today. That's yeah. when you got to say one more, one more step. Ridge. One yeah. more step. Yeah. Not even a ridge. You just got to yeah. get through the step because you're ready yeah. to hightail it and go back. Yeah. The three that's, miles the that's the short-term goal <laughs> exactly. to get you to the mid-term goal, yes, to get sir. you to the long-term goal. And, and look, I, I felt like I was with you on your hunt, guy, because you you know we were DMing each other and stuff like that up on the mountain. And I just kept telling you, man, don't quit, dude. You got this. You know, I felt I felt you, brother, that you were you know, needing that reassurance, oh. man. One more extra step. One yeah. more. Man, and I'm like, look, I, and I pray every night that – this guy's going to be at the end of this deal where he feels uh, so complete. And I think it happened. I think you did. You did you oh know? man. I, I think, I think it worked out perfectly for you and to where now you just so much more advanced, you know, so much more knowledge, so much more passion uh, for something that, you know, that you now know is so easy for you to attain. Right. Um, so I'm super proud of you, man. Thank Thanks you, man. so much that for means a lot. enduring every day of that and allowing us through your DMS and, uh, and through, uh, you know, uh, the, the live streaming and stuff like that it was so cool to be up there with you live brother. Yeah, I mean, I you shared your journey with us was enlightening, man. And, <laughs> and, and quite the honor. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank you guys. I, I I do want to address Joe, if we have a minute. Uh, this, so Joe put this last bullet on this thing he sent me, right? And it's, are there certain situations or scenarios from the season that still haunt you? And out of all of the things that you sent me, it stood out. And my answer is no, right? And it goes back to what, what these no boys just said. Exactly, right? And and who who am I to not be appreciative of the opportunity and ability to still be out doing what I love to do. That's hunting. And now it's hunting elk, right? 
I don't, I don't have a regret. The end goal was to kill a bull. Bull didn't die, but I had ample opportunity to improve my setup or improve the scenario to draw that. I, it's looking gift horse in the mouth. And it, it, I think as folks go through their elk journey and there's people that fall in and out of hunting in general, right. Or, or guys will go out and they'll hunt bulls for a couple of years. And they say, forget this mess is too hard. You're going to look back and in two years, jump back in the game and regret those two years you missed. So no, yeah. I, I had to answer that question. Right. Cause it was like, it's, it's sitting here and it's just like, uh, <laughs> no, nothing, nothing haunts no regret. You know, there, there, yeah. there's no regret Ooh. in it. Man, did, did I want to come home with tag soup? Did I want to have, you know, I want to have my mount behind me here on the wall, you know, instead of having the deer have the elk. Heck yeah, man. But, you know, as I, as I was coming home, I, I was recording. I never posted it. Right. And and this hunt I took, man, I have so much camera gear. I didn't film. I, I think <laughs> I had maybe 20 pictures and, and it, no regrets, man. No, not, not Wait. one. Not We've always more. said, Guy, that uh, success is not the final outcome. It is the journey along the way. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think. And that sounds crazy, you know, right? Because we're, yeah, we're, we're hunters, we're killers, right? Yeah. It, it sounds crazy. And maybe in the deer world or the, the pig world, that is crazy. But when it comes to elk, man. It's no. hard, Guy. It, it's, it's not even it's, that it's hard, it's but, hard, but the, the, the fact that we can get out there and we can actually communicate and interact with this animal and commingle on their level, yeah. that the, the, the ability to do that, who the hell am I to look up and say, thank you for the ability and opportunity, and then yeah. not appreciate every moment that I got to sit there and screw mm -hmm. something up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what and, i mean yeah who yeah. am i to look the gift horse in the mouth with that yeah. and, and man it's just such a phenomenal it, it's a phenomenal experience to to dance with these animals and play this chess game i was uh, man i'm gonna send it to joe and i'll let him share it with you guys i was in tears on one of the points coming back because it was just it was elation but but it was also like yeah, we're out there to kill, but man, just to, just the ability to do this is just, man, what an amazing, what an amazing animal and, and amazing opportunity we have as elk hunters to get out there and do it. It's just, yeah, we're super and blessed with, brother, man. And that that's a perfect place to, to close this out. And, uh, uh, and, this has been a great one. This has been special. Gilbert. Absolutely. Bring us yeah, home. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. Fellas, you if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. And you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. Dot com. That's info at elkbros.com. And like we say here in the Lone Star State, guy, kiss your wives, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, kiss, keep your broadheads sharp and your powder, powder dry. dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar <laughs> Elk Hunting. And Western Contours. Check me out. <laughs> and back strong episodes. <laughs> check out guy on western contours absolutely man and for all you grinders out there here's some music from our brother tony Wintrip to close out the show peace peace everybody thanks boys i appreciate it take a good look at me i'll be gone for a while in the back country where peace of mind is destiny 
It's a trail with a pack on my back, mountain house meals in a bivy sack. I'm gone for a while, baby, take a good look at me. Missing you and you'll be missing me When you lay your head down at night Just know your daddy's safe in the bright moonlight September sky As far as the eye can see See the mountaintop with the highest peak and no backdrop. It's a long way up from here and a long way down to my freedom, my freedom, freedom in the woodlands, wild and free. My freedom, my freedom, freedom from the chain that can't hold. the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv through the blackwater bayous and in the dark louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of cajun cooking Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. 